knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Good evening, all. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and... Steven. Yes, I said East Coast Trev. I am back to that guy. Yeah, see, (laughs) so that's funny you said that, and I actually was going to point it out, but you let off with that. And uh, both of us actually went through and rearranged our handles. Correct. So... You got hold on. Explain to me what did you do to yours? So I I got sick and tired of the uh, the generic Instagram bullshit because people were going oh well we can't really find you just looking for Stephen Clark. So I kicked it over to Outdoor Drive S Clark just to try to simplify things. Oh okay, I like it. I I found it kind of funny because I went to tag you. And was like, oh, he switched back. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, what's funny is I was walking down the dock this morning going uh, shark fishing. And I just, just like, you know what? Fuck this. I said, I am East Coast Trev. That's who I am. Fucking right. I've always been East Coast Trev. I always will be East Coast Trev. Um, I had originated a CT Trev. And CT Trev was something that had originated when back when I had my forum. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. And my whole dream was one day to have... Um, a forum that's more was actually northeast based. Um, and then my idea was to have east coast bow hunting, um, which was a thing, and we'll get into it later in the episode. And I don't want to go there, but my thing was <laughs> I am East Coast Trev, dude, and I forever will be East Coast Trev. It was something that I came up with with Garrett Benner, and it's something that will always stick and it always will. And a lot of people have known me for that, so I'm gonna stick with it. And I am East Coast Trev. You can find me on all my handles as East Coast Trev now. Fuck yeah. But anyways. Fuck that shit. Let's move on. Um, Dude, that's kind of like the tempo for the whole show today. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, guess I love it. Just made that's it that like way. the perfect intro. We, today, you know, this show is is something, you know, we, we're going to sit down with Kurt Geyer, uh, King Kurt, somebody who I say all the time has just paved the road for all of us to follow, man. He's been an idol of mine, somebody that I've looked up to in advice and in words of wisdom. Um, since the beginning, man, when when we first had started um, podcasting in my podcast world uh, and career from the beginning is the first person I talked to on the phone was Kurt Geyer. Um, I had the opportunity to talk to him and, and him point me in the right directions. And it's somebody that I will forever be indebted to um, because he is the man, dude, Kurt is the man who laid down the road and for for us and paved it in front of us so that we can that it's okay to act the way that we do um on a podcast and can swear and be explicit well, and so well, on and so forth so be ourselves we'll say that <laughs> yeah for sure yeah they don't want the other side of it but so we're gonna sit down with him man and things are gonna kind of go haywire so i won't just sit back relax once this thing gets underway um because things are gonna get fucking haywire um but how you been steve dude i'm good yeah. I'm, I, I'm doing pretty good with the uh, the way the world's going and all the other bullshit with the chaos at work. Man, you leave it all behind. You come home, 
you do your things and just enjoy. That's awesome. Thanks to uh, good buddy Drew over at Wild Edge Inc. I've got some new equipment to play with. And I had a good time actually today filming some turkeys from a long ways away, getting some really cool footage. Put I saw a, that. Put a really quick post up, yeah, just, just to really highlight what can happen with better equipment than I had in the past. And that right there, man, I've been looking forward to it. It is fun, in my opinion, to just sit down with cinematography and dig through some of these, all these different things you can do and really show what you're seeing the world in the outdoors. So that's incredible. I'm happy. I can't wait to see what this deer season, it will be our first deer season together as, as the outdoor drive podcast. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, it's really going to kick things off. Right. Yeah. That's no lie, man. Some of the stuff that I think we're going to get to put together. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm a little upset. I've been slacking with the whole camera thing and like bringing it out in the water and stuff. Cause it's <laughs> fucking been some cool shit this year. Yeah. Um, you, you've missed out. Some of my, I'm calling you out. You're a slacker. I know, man. <laughs> like my focus has been in, in certain ways. I mean, and a lot of people probably obviously want to see kind of some of the things that have been going on, but I mean, between the big stripers, um, killing bluefin tuna, um, which killing congratulations, sharks. by the way. Thanks, man. It was, uh, so I had a couple of days. I had just turned 30 on the 20th of July. Um, and before that, I was able to take some time off um, and and really have some fun and target some really cool things, man. I got to go up north to the Cape and and target bluefin tuna. As I've, I've had in the past, but just haven't been successful. And this time around, we did. We killed a 280, 72 and a half inch bluefin. Uh, I was half an inch short of uh, commercial fish for sale. So it was good. We got to keep it. And it was it was an incredible thing. It was an hour and a half fight of just pure muscle. I mean, it's like, I guess like, the t- like if I could take it back for a lot of people that may have never done this before, is like shooting that first big buck, man, when the adrenaline, the one-on-one, um, it's incredible. And how incredible that these animals are and how powerful they are. Um, it's just you and the rod and him. So it was, it was something else. It would definitely was and, and killing a lot of big sharks. And it's just, it's been a summer to remember, man. 2020 is the year. Uh, I I don't know. It's probably been one of the best years of my life. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what it comes to bring for all of us uh, in the future. So, but if you guys want to see it, there is some videos and pictures up on, uh, on all my social media so you guys can check it out but i didn't bring the gopro to actually tear it down um this coming friday or saturday um i got a good friend coming up um to fish with me and i'm actually going to take him out fishing he actually called me up and asked if i would bring him and his father which i'm actually looking very i'm looking uh i'm looking hold on one second I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking forward to it and bringing them out fishing. Uh, I got the, um, I get to bring them to go catch big fucking giant stripers. So he's coming up from Pennsylvania. Um, Kyle from uh, Professional Rookie Outdoors. So I'm pretty. I keep saying the same thing because I'm looking at my phone. So I'm sorry. Quit looking at your phone, Trev. (laughs) I was looking at my phone. It's like we're on the old show. Quit looking at your phone. (laughs) <laughs> no, I wanted to make sure that um, I had said his name right uh, for 
what he was on Instagram, uh, Kyle Kaufman. So he's going to come up with his dad and striper fish with me this weekend. So I'm going to bring out the camera and hopefully we can get some good shots and stuff and put something together so everyone can kind of see it because the big girls have shown up here. So nice. But looking looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, excited. This episode kind of got me all twisted up too. That's probably why I'm lost for words. All <laughs> yeah, so. yeah I, so. we, I think we kind of got everything out during the show that we really wanted to kick out. It's true. Period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it We've just, hit. It literally hit everything. <laughs> it's, it's been a long time coming to have Kurt on, man. And I, I've, I've just waited um, for the right time, man. I wanted to get all the kinks out. I wanted to, you know, have everything where it needs to be before having Kurt on. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously, like I said before, he's fucking King Kurt. So you don't want to have him in the beginning when things could still malfunction and not be right. But you want to make sure that you have your flow and and everything is good to be able to have, you know, the fucking King on. Oh, definitely. Kind of just waited, but it was a long time overdue. and, And this episode is fucking one of my favorite. It's a long episode, but it's totally worth it. Oh yeah, there. I I can't tell you a single point throughout this show that I wasn't either laughing in the mic or having to lean back away from the mic to laugh. I'd agree, <laughs> or just lost for words because you're like, uh, uh, <laughs> you're just fucking great. <laughs> it was. Hey, what's that noise? Oh, I know what that is. <laughs> Sounds like today's news for the cruise. Hey everyone, Mike here with some news for your cruise. Let's start this one off with an update on the Great American Outdoors Act, which was previously passed by the U.S. Senate. Uh, On July 22nd, it was passed by the House of Representatives uh, by a margin of 310 to 107. Uh, And now we'll be headed to the president's desk for signature, and he indicated previously that he would sign that bill. Uh, So this is a great step forward uh, for anyone that enjoys spending time in the outdoors uh, and some much needed uh, upgrades for our public lands. Now off to Utah, uh, which is home to quite a healthy mountain lion population. Uh, And as a result of that, state biologists have gained approval for a new spot and stalk hunting season. This season will begin August 1st and run through the rest of the year. The new season will be implemented on a year-to-year basis, but for 2020, it will add two dozen permits beyond the regular season, which starts uh, in November. Uh, And for a permit for that spot and stalk season, it'll run you about $30. Now on to PA, where on July 25th, the Pennsylvania Board of Game Commission held their meeting. Uh, and as an update to uh, previously reported about House Bill 1188, which permitted the use of night vision for predator hunting, uh, the Game Commission uh, approved a regulatory change that would allow handheld or sporting arm-mounted night vision and infrared optics to be used while hunting fur bears in Pennsylvania. Uh, Currently, the fur bear seasons are for raccoon, fox, coyote, possum, striped skunk, weasels, bobcats, and porcupines. Uh, That change will become effective, will not uh, become effective unless the board uh, casts a second vote uh, at another meeting to adopt the change. And their next meeting is scheduled for September 25th and 26th. Uh, at their meeting, the board also voted against allowing uh, Class 1 and Class 2 electric bicycles on game lands, which have been proposed. 
the board also adopted amended regulations that would require all non-hunters to wear at least 250 square inches of fluorescent orange on Sundays from November 15th to December 15th on game lands. Uh, this is because of expanded Sunday hunting that has been previously approved in Pennsylvania. Uh, previously on Sundays, non-hunters did not were not required to wear uh, the fluorescent orange, and were only required to wear it um, on Monday through Saturdays during uh, the hunting season. Uh, during the meeting, the board also unanimously voted down a proposal that would have established a 24 caliber uh, as the minimum caliber required for hunting deer and bear uh, with center fire rifles. But enough on the legal side of things, let's turn our attention to some big fish reports. Uh, the first one coming from Maine, where 16-year-old Martin Scanlon and friend Griffin Buckwalter hauled in a 109-inch, 750-pound bluefin tuna. Uh, they did this about 40 miles off the coast using just the 24-foot skiff. Uh, the tuna towed the young men for about 10 miles during the seven-hour battle. Uh, after they were able to secure a tail rope, on the monster tuna. Um, they were having some difficulty and were actually assisted by a commercial boat to get the fish back to port. So awesome story for those young men and congrats to Martin and Griffin on a great fish. So now off to West Virginia and the Ohio River for some bow fishing where bow fisherman William Barr and Corey Craig were navigating through some shallow water near the Willow Island Locks and Dam when they spotted an enormous fish. Uh, both men were able to sink an arrow into what turned out to be a massive 104.15 pound big head carp. Uh, one of the arrows pulled out during the struggle, but they were able to land the 55-inch fish uh, and started to wonder if they might have a state record. So uh, the gentleman contacted uh, the West Virginia Division of Natural Resources and unfortunately found out that the fish is considered invasive and therefore records are not recognized for them in the state. But the DNR biologist was nice enough to offer to look into what the Bowfishing World Record was for the species. And as it turns out, the Bowfishing Association of America does keep recognized records for the big head carp. Uh, Barr and Craig's fish came in at nearly six pounds over the 98.4 pound world record. Uh, the association only allows one archer to be recognized and Barr's name went on the application and he, expect, and he is expecting confirmation of the record within the next couple weeks. Uh, congrats to both men on a great fish. Unfortunately, this fish is causing some alarm um, because it's an invasive species and one of this size, uh, especially um, ending up this far up the river. Uh, the DNR in West Virginia is also um, monitoring the water body for Asian carp reports in the area and are urging any anglers who kill Asian carp to report them to the DNR as they try to control the spread of these species upstream as best they can. Now let's finish this one off on a positive note from right here in Connecticut where COVID had put a halt to all hunter education uh, in the state. But as of July 17th, our Department of Energy and Environmental Protection announced that the firearm safety courses will be resuming in August uh, in a modified format. The students will need to complete all online prerequisites and sign up for a modified firearms field day event, which will be posted on the department's website. 
they also stated that the bow hunting courses will resume in the near future, but no dates have been given yet. Kind of unfortunate considering our bow hunting season starts here September 15th, but hopefully there will be confirmation on dates for that uh, shortly. Uh, as always, if you have any news to share, please feel free to hit me up on social media, Mike Salter on Facebook or bearded underscore bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. Thanks, Mike. Once again, bro, coming in clutch right in time. Yeah, and I'm excited about that one. You know, there's some good stuff out of that. Uh, I mean, the the bill he popped into. The Great American. It's just great news. That that's really the all I can say about it is Thank you, Mr. Salter, for taking the time out of your day to hang out with us. Definitely. I mean, we're funded. Or I, I'm not gonna say we're funded. I'm gonna say the entire country is funded for some incredible new projects moving forward. And and that even affects me at work. So some of this funding is gonna restore some battlefield stuff. Some of this funding will refund or uh, repair old dilapidated stuff that visitors to national parks where they go and camp will be now brought back to livable conditions. Uh, I mean, it's just the influence and effect that this bill is bringing is beyond most people's comprehension. So we'll see what it does. Speaking of funded, how about the people that we've partnered with? I think that's a, uh, a really good point to touch on. And uh, I know you got some things you really want to lay down. So why don't you go ahead and do your thing? All right. First off, I want to thank Boat Bow Fishing Magazine. Nick Sampson over there, Bow Fishing Magazine. If you guys haven't checked him out, make sure you check him out. Bowfishingmagazine.com. Also, out on the limb, out on the limb.com. Go and check them out. All of your mobile needs, sticks, um, from camera arms, you name it, they got it all custom. Even if a tree stand, you want it, he'll make it. Go and check them out. DNM Custom Arrows, dnmcustomarrows.com. Custom Arrows obviously speaks for itself. The Big Ginger, if you guys haven't heard it a couple episodes back, he left the best volume smell ever. That's why we Yeah, we I'm work still kind him. of disappointed there ain't a new one. Uh, I know. He said He said if I don't have him on a podcast soon, he's going to uh, gonna have to do another one. So I'm just not going to have him on a podcast, and I'll just keep getting a million That's almost a good trade. I like that thinking. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Uh, I want to thank Mark at Nor'easter Game Calls. You can check them out, nor'eastergamecalls.com. Get your grunt tubes. If you guys haven't seen them, there's a video up on all social media platforms of our grunt tubes, the Evo series. Got some new things coming out. I was just talking to Mark the other day. Keep in check with this. Um, and obviously, you'll hear about it here too. But he makes some of the best custom calls, custom knives, Mab knives. is also his business. You can definitely go and check him out. WildEdgeInc.com, the leader in mobile hunting. Uh, your steps, your perches, your aiders, your suaders, your naders, your ropes, your linesmen, you name it, you can get it. WildEdgeInc.com. Wicked and Twisted bow, Bowstrings.com. Uh, Use promo code OutdoorDrive10 for your custom bowstrings. Get jillified up there at Trader Jans. Uh, also, Broadside Camo, BroadsideCamo.com. The picture realism of the camo for the aerial hunter. Uh, use the promo code outdoor drive. He was actually just running a really big sale. Um, and he also just came out with a new sweatshirt for the aerial hunter, uh, more or less a saddle hunter, but also yeah. there is some other stuff for the aerial hunter also. 
But I'm really excited to use that stuff this season. Really looking forward to it. Um, they say that it's like Gore-Tex on steroids, but go and check it out for yourself, uh, broadsidecamo.com. We also have some videos on our YouTube page for that. So thanks to the partners that work with us. We appreciate every single one of you. Definitely. Well done, Trev. Man, you, you've come a long ways from uh, a couple years ago where it was always the, oh, you forgot this. Oh, what's left? So, well we done. Keep, keep well going done. back there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, on this episode, there's kind of a tangent that keeps yeah, throwing well, that way. Yeah. You know, yeah, pointing well, out happens. the bullshit. <laughs> it happens. And uh, I'm kind of glad that it all can kind of come to light and that you guys are able to clear some of the air and some of the perspective you guys had, as well as some of the other. I, I just pray just that everybody, times. I just pray that everyone has a five point harness. Cause you're about to go on the drive of a lifetime. <laughs> just letting you all know that right now, right just here, so you know, after a quarter mile, the car is going to roll. So hang on for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, dude, I can't hold back. Let's jump into this ride. Outdoor Drive Podcast. We have a good friend and brother and king, Kurt from Working Class Bowhunter joining us. How are you doing, Kurt? Hey, first of all, I'm doing good. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast, guys. I've been waiting patiently for your guys' call. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but we're we're glad. We're proud. <laughs> well, I, I am really thankful you guys are having me on. And I actually I was excited to do this podcast. I was waiting for the invite since you guys started it and it only took, I don't know how many episodes to get going, but we're here now. So I'm, I'm going to blame Trev for that. Trev, yep, it's your me. fault. I well, wanted to wait for the right time. <laughs> yeah, I had to feel right. Or you didn't want to start, you know, with me right at the gate to break you in or nothing, you know. Yeah, right. Exactly. That that was the point, you know. We had to let it you in right up the first episode. <laughs> well, it's one of those things like, so when we had, when we came out to your house for the shoot and stuff, and I was like, so are you going to do a podcast with us? And you're like, I've been waiting for you to ask. Are you going to you know now? Now I can be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think you guys are getting to work to be on working class here. I wanted to I wanted to get you guys in the game a little bit. Oh, is you that know? what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to squeeze you in. You know. Oh, thanks. Pay we our dues. It. You know, well, <laughs> when, we, when we kill an East Coast hundred and fifty incher. <laughs> yeah, fucking right. Hey. <laughs> All right, so 2044. <laughs> hey, you never know. Anything can happen. That's the beautiful thing about hunting, you know. That's it. Oh, man. Why don't we turn this key, man, put this thing in cruise control. Uh, why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you're from, man, and what you do? Uh, I'm Kurt Geyer. I'm from Illinois, and I run and am a host on the Working Class Bowhunter podcast. And that's the simple version of that. The simple yeah, version. That's a good way to put it. 
yeah. we were trying to hear like the county. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> well, uh-huh. we already know that. No, <laughs> just, so yeah. I can drop that. It's New Windsor, Illinois, is where our studio um, and working class is based out of. So if if you really need to know what part of Illinois, that's the part. Trev, what are you complaining about? Dude, he showed you where he's going to put a stand. No, I know. I just, I was just being funny because people were obviously waiting for that. But it's just so weird because now the name has changed, you know, because you're so used to hearing Sherard, you know. Well, yeah, you don't have Steve laying out the intro. Well, yeah, that's the thing here. Yeah, on this, Steve is good at those. But yeah, I mean, we were in Sherard, which is like 15, 10, 15 minutes north of where I'm at now. Um, you know, meth got pretty bad in Sherrard, so we had to move south out to the country. So, <laughs> out to the country. I'm not even going to touch on that. <laughs> we, roads. we were trying to figure out where the shoot was based on make a turn at the one tree and uh, then go straight for three miles, you know, and turn yeah. at the left of the third cornfield. So, look for the sign with the arrow on it and just drive that way for three and a half miles, go down a few hollers, and it's on your left. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so I don't know how much more country you can get out into out there. Yeah, well, I mean, we're out here a little bit. I mean, not too bad, but it's uh, it, it's it's rural for for a lot of city people. <laughs> you got a few miles of gravel to get to the studio, so it makes you feel like you're getting into big buck country. That's my favorite thing about where where the studio is at now. Damn right. So, man, why don't you tell them a little bit about working class, like when it started, what it's all about, so on and so forth. Yeah, man. Um, so, working class boner podcast. We started that. The first episode aired in March of 2015. We actually like made all the pages and got all like the the ball rolling, I guess, in our heads. I think I started the, like our Facebook and stuff like that and started brainstorming the ideas in November of 2014. Um, and since our first podcast, we put an episode out every single week. Um, we want we set out. We went, actually we didn't really know exactly what we wanted to do with the podcast from the get go, but we wanted to have fun with it and kind of creative, more a listenable type podcast. Uh, when we started, even it's not that long ago, like going on, going on six years, roughly now I'm five and a half years. Um, at the time there, there wasn't a lot of podcasts and the ones that were out weren't real relatable for most people. There, there might've been some that I'm not aware of at the time, but our goal is to just make a podcast that people could just listen to comfortably relate to laugh a little bit and then learn a little bit at the same time. And really kind of just do our thing, try to separate from what everyone else was doing. Um, at the time, wasn't that hard. It's a little more difficult now to kind of get your name out there and be seen. But um, I think we got in at the right time. We got in before the whole spike of podcast popularity. And I've really just hustled it out every week and try to just do things a little different and do things our own way. And it's really what we're doing, man, just going for it. What was one of the hardest things like going through it? Like when you had started, like, um, like just getting going, you mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, we did, I didn't know anything about it. You know, like I met Steve, Steve had a comedy podcast. He invited me on that, on that, see if I liked it. Cause I made a post. He, so it's kind of funny. I've told this on the working class podcast before. And so I was on like a little internet film project at the time and like 2013, 2014, and Steve followed me on Twitter because I was on that. And Steve had just started hunting and I posted something like, Hey, I'm going to start a bow hunting podcast, I think. And I don't know, Steve hit me up was just like, Hey, I'm on a comedy podcast. Come be a guest on our show. 
So I went to this like nerd's house that Steve was friends with. It's just like a bunch of like nerdy comedian guys. And their podcast was actually a cool podcast and they had like a really cool studio set up and stuff. So I was on that completely out of place. Looking back now, I think all the dudes were like, why the fuck is this kid on the podcast? I don't get why we have this like redneck hunter guy. And, um, but Steve was cool, you know, like, um, so that was a cool experience. And he's like, Hey, if you're going to start that podcast, I'd, I'd like to host it with you if you don't mind. And I was under the impression, like he knew shit, like how to run a <laughs> podcast. Like, we <laughs> thing. So we got some basic equipment and, uh, started podcasting. It was weird as shit. And then we eventually got to the point where I'm like, okay. Like we went through some trial and error. Like the first few episodes, like when you listen to it, it plays out of the left speaker only or something like that. You know, the left side because <laughs> where we had unbalanced. I mean, it's just normal growing pains. Right. Right. And uh, it just got consistent. We realized how fun it was and then having some guests and we just had a good time with it. And it just rolled into over time what it is today. Um, we have just over 380 episodes. So, Wow. It's crazy because if you listen to some of the first episodes of it, it's it's got like Charlie Daniels as your intro music and peace, Charlie Daniels. What is it? Rest in peace, Charlie Daniels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, he actually was. That was our first like intro music. Made no sense, but it's a great song. Oh, it was perfect. perfect. Looking yeah. back, it, when you guys did the uh, the rollover, what was it? Number three hundred, and you had that kind of quiz and then played it at the end. It just it had me rolling. Because mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean. Like kicking from here, you know, when you start, you're like, what's the first thing available that's cool? There's our intro. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you, you hit it on the head. You couldn't have picked a better song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of cool looking back that, like that was the one. Because I do remember like the five people that listened were like, hey, great choice of music. And it's like, I don't know. It's kind of neat. And then we had like some... After that, we had the band The Devil Makes Three, a uh, really good string band. Oh, if you're yeah. Not familiar with them, check them out. But love that band. And we had them for some intros. And and then we we did it the right way and kind of got our own mix-up of an intro. And it, it evolved over time into what it is now. And I, I like what it is now. It'll probably stay that way. I thought about making, like, several variations of it, but keeping the same, like, the same intro, but different, like, uh, I guess different clips in the intro, you know what I mean? And kind of doing a rotation. Oh, That's I feel ass. you. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're in that same stage right now. We're not going to put too much out there about what's going on, but we're, we're in a very similar stage. Yeah. I mean, it's growth with anything, you know, it just takes time to like realize what you want to do or as you go along, you, you come up with different ideas and brainstorm different directions and, and, you just, I don't know. It's hard. You don't ever, sometimes you don't know where it's going to go or how it's going to end up, but you just kind of, let it let it shift and do its thing and you kind of steer it how you can and ride ride out the boat i guess through the waves as it's going it's crazy on how like and i say it all the time man it's like how you've paved the road for a lot of us that are behind you you know what i'm saying like because like you've done a ton and you've made it so easy for a lot of us to fall in those footsteps like those those raw real no bullshit podcasts um, it's kind of been more accepted since you've gone and paved those roads in for in front of us. Well, I really appreciate you saying that, man. It's, uh, I, I do, I hear that. I don't want to like sound like I hear that all the time. I, I hear it sometimes and I am really thankful that people say that. Um, and I don't think like I really, well, I don't know if I paved the way or our podcast paved the way, but I think we just maybe 
made people realize that you don't have to be like put in this box of what the industry thinks you should talk like or thinks you should act like. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think we're one of the first podcasts that opened it up to how hunting camp really is. And then it kind of just let people realize that you can just kind of have fun with it, but still do your job and produce good, good content at the same time. Hundred Yeah. I mean, you have Steve with you, so. <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest challenge. You know, if I would have never met Steve, this podcast, I'd already be sold out for a couple mil and I'd be <laughs> somewhere with my feet and I'm not doing any of this dumb shit anymore. Uh, see, and that's the funny thing is, is a lot of people don't realize that Steve is literally one of the founders. Yeah. He's definitely, you know, kind of is. Yeah, he is. He's, he's one of the OGs for sure. Um, he puts on a good front when he's around people that he's the dude with the ideas. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have a fucking clue, to be honest. Um, he really does, and I love the guy, but he don't have a fucking clue. He couldn't hunt his way out of a fucking paper bag, to be honest. I, I don't. I don't know. This year, I've got big, big expectations for him. It sounded like he got a clue, like really dimed into some conversational uh, tactics after talking to the Drurys. Yeah, that um, was a shock. He. Here's the thing, and I love Steve, and I'm on, and people think if you listen to our show and you don't know us or you're not like, you know, if, if you go in and listen to the episode when Steve's on it, we're kind of giving him grief, like we bullshit with them and hunting, like it, like it's in hunting camp, you know, because that's what our show is. Um, we're hard on Steve because we really like him and we want him to do better, and he's a goofball, like he kind of plays that role, you know, like literally, if you don't know who Steve is, right across from me in the studio now where I'm sitting we have a movie poster of Steve with his foot in the toilet. Like that's, <laughs> that's like Steve's fake of this, his piece of art on the studio wall. But and he's just that character. Um, and, and I will say this, I hope that Steve kills a big buck every year, man. I really, really do. But I personally think that he is banking on, and this is a quote from our show. I, he's banking on tripping into a one fifty. Like that's like <laughs> literally his goal every year. Hopefully this year I trip into one. And just, he might get lucky, but it'll be a once, once every 20 years type of thing, you know? <laughs> that's, I, I, I can't even put that into words. <laughs> that's hilarious. It sounds like I'm being a dick, but no, you know, no. Anyone who follows you guys is going to completely understand that. And I feel you because for the last, two or three years actually it's because of steve that i met trev and oh, uh yeah. believe it or not yeah so oh, when, when somebody came on there and you know and kind of did his little inner episode with you guys whatever and you guys started talking about that uh i reached out to steve and i was like are these motherfuckers for real and he's like yeah man they're good people blah 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 well we'll get to that down the road but yeah. uh that's actually what caught me up with Trev. We got talking, we met up in PA, hung out, talked some shit. And, uh, that that's led to this. So we can ultimately put our roots back to y'all. Wow. That's cool, man. That's awesome. It's kind of neat how that works out. You know, the, the power of the podcast, man, is, is one of the, like, it's one of the craziest things. I mean, obviously you've seen it on a whole different level than a lot of us have, but like meeting different people and, and going different places and, and just be, some of the greatest friends that I have are because of podcasting yeah, um, and sure. the people that you meet. I mean, fuck, we drive what, <laughs> 1700 miles to come hang out with you guys. I mean, it's yeah, what yeah. it feels like. I'm so thankful every time you do it. And I, I felt guilty when you guys left. I was like, man, I should have had them on a podcast in studio while they were here, but 
It's a it's a busy fucking weekend to do that. But oh yeah, dude, we're not there for that, man. We're there to hang out with the boys. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I know it's a it's easy for me to say like well, if you get a free weekend, but if, if <laughs> no, time it, it's well worth it. Yeah, well, if if it ever does work out, we should try and get you guys in here and do like three podcasts with you on our show, and you guys just use our studio and just record episodes with some of the like us and then some of the local guys from our area in our studio. And you guys can take like those recordings back with you, you know. Um, oh yeah, kind of use That'd it as like dope. a trip type thing. I mean, it's not I, like we're out there four times a year. Just <laughs> out here, that's what we do is just fly. It's yeah. almost to the point we need to. It's getting to that man. The drive is is. It's not that it's too much. It's just crazy, you know. It, it puts you out for so long. Yeah, I mean, I, I bet you get some cheap flights, man. Right now, roughly. Oh yeah. Well, I tell you, a flight would be a lot better than that uh, drive back through Chicago after the shoot. <laughs> drove through Chicago? We drove through the south side of Chicago coming oh, home. <laughs> we had to stop at a rest stop there. <laughs> I'll let you tell, Trev. I, I can't. I'm dying. <laughs> Dude. No, so this you guys Everybody. buying meth or something in Southside Chicago? What are you doing? <laughs> no, so so Polk decided that we we all had to take bathroom breaks. So he pulls off an exit, bro, and I, it was the craziest thing ever. I thought we were gonna die. Obviously, it's in the middle of everything that's going on with the COVID and everything. Yeah. And uh, we pull into this rest stop, dude, and somebody had to sit with the car because we thought it was gonna leave. The wheels were gonna leave the fucking thing. It was yeah. it was oh, yeah. nuts. You guys were in. Yeah, yeah definitely. Dude. <laughs> this trucker comes out of nowhere, dude, and he's like. Yo, is that the Roush edition? We're like, yeah. And I thought he was gonna murder me, dude. I really did. It was it was fucking scary. Chicago, that's like way out of your way. No, we come we come right through Chicago because you go right down the, on the bottom there. And like, just we take the loop around the the south side of town and try to get as around as much as we can, but it still takes you through some of the south side, and that's mm-hmm. where Polk decided to pull off. <laughs> oh, geez, it was crazy. Man. I didn't know yeah, that. Was, I figured it'd take you seventy four out, then you hit like Indianapolis and go through Columbus, and well, we can, but that's actually like a two hour gain. Oh, so okay. the way that they have to go north, we basically have to go up to uh, Northeast Ohio. So God. that's where I drive up. I meet them out of Virginia there in Youngstown, Ohio. They come down out of PA. And link up with me there. And then the straight shot is right around south of Chicago into you guys. Gotcha. On 80. Cool. Yep. Yeah, if it was me, I'd go the way you're talking. Yeah. Straight through. Yeah, but so. we live in northern east coast, so. Yankees. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't, I'm not familiar. I like I see Ohio and everything blurs out from east from there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> we need to get them out here just so you can see it, what it's like. <laughs> I want to, man. I definitely want to. It had to be one of those like, I get another week of vacation this year, so I have to make a make a trip like a four day weekend or something. <laughs> that screams sick awesome. a hunt. Ooh. Uh, I'm down for that. I, I think that would be the only reason why Kurt Kurt would come here. Hey, I I got it. I mean, why come to the East Coast to hunt whitetail when you got what you got where you are? I'll be honest with you though. I would rather go to the East Coast and go fishing than go hunt Sitka. Okay, now we're talking. See, now we're talking my language. <laughs> I'd rather do that because I know I'm going to get on some shit, especially with Trev. <laughs> you ain't lying. <laughs> you do out there all the time. 
Ugh. Eat shark cakes for dinner. I don't know. <laughs> fish cakes, yeah. Actually, I had fish cakes for dinner tonight, dude. I still talk about those fish cakes you brought out to the shoot, man. Really? Yeah, kick ass. I'm gonna have to like. I'm gonna have to put them in uh, dry ice and ship you back some more. Yeah, I'm all game for that, man. <laughs> They're actually my favorite, dude. My all-time favorite food is fucking fish cakes, striped bass fish cakes. I love them. Well, you don't yeah. have a shortage, so. Well, that's why you know, I like. I never ate a lot of fish growing up. You know, my dad's allergic to fish, so I I didn't grow up fishing. You know, mm-hmm. um, so that's why. I, as soon as I could get start hunting and all that, that's why we just hunted the whole time. Yeah, I I don't blame you because from what Eric's told me about all the fresh seafood that you guys get out there, I would hope that I was fucking allergic to it. <laughs> what was the explanation if the if the shit's been in a can longer than it was alive, it's not fresh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just kind of rubbery out here, but the weird thing is my dad's allergic to fish, but he can eat shellfish. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's wild. Very weird. So that's why I that's why I love like crab and shrimp and scallops and all that type of stuff when you guys bring it out here because I, that's the only like fish type related food that I've I ever got to eat growing up. Makes that's sense. Nice. So yeah, I mean, and I'm not like a huge fan of fish. Like, you're not gonna see me order like tilapia or like catfish. At I, I got that's I'm not real big on that. But when it comes to like shellfish and all and crawfish and all that type of thing and lobster and scallops, I'm dude, I'm a nut for that. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you this: If you pulled in a uh, 280 pound tuna or better, would you eat the heart straight out of it? I don't know, man. I don't know anything about that. Like, I don't. Know <laughs> Trev, you, Trev, you want to fill him in? No, that's what you do, man. When you when you kill when you kill a first like a first big fish, especially a tuna. So when you kill your first tuna, you have to eat the heart. Plain and simple. Good or do it, or is it just kind of like a tradition? It's just a tradition. It tastes like shit. <laughs> really, it's like just taking a, a bite out of a rusty pipe. That's what it tastes like. It's mad irony. Disgusting. <laughs> You know, yeah. like the tradition, like if you shoot like your first buck, you're supposed to take a bite out of the heart. You never heard that? Yeah, I've heard that, but nobody does it. Trev did it. <laughs> I guess that's stupid do, people here. I would do it to like a guy. Like if it was like a full grown man who shot a buck and he'd never done it before and he's like a city slicker, I'd be like, you got to bite the heart. You know, I'd do, you know, I'd do that to that type of dude, of course. But like <laughs> if you try to do it to me, like you got to bite the heart. I'm like, yeah, the fuck I do. Like I'll take it home and cook it with onions. Yeah, I'll do that. trying to get the city slicker to get paint like like all i can think of is like cherokee indian with the paint underneath his eyes and shit with the with the blood and red dawn (laughs) you know that's like a fun thing to do like if you had a kid that shot a buck like make him feel bad at you know what i mean it's kind of like a cool thing for them that'd be cool you didn't do nothing like that when you shot your first buck no man not really um like like crazy tradition or anything no, no, no tradition when I was real young. Nothing like that. Um, now, man, no, nothing real kind of blame, I guess. Actually, it didn't really have anything exciting like that. I mean, I was I was obviously like really appreciative for my first deer, for our first buck anyway, you know, first deer too. But um, yeah, no, no like traditions like that or nothing like anything crazy. I grew up with some guys that were already really advanced uh, hunters and really advanced bow hunters, you know, um, so – they were more like a lot of the guys that I grew up with hunting or looked up to hunting. I'd say when I was from the time I was 
I'd say 16 to early 20s were guys that were already like dudes I considered above the average bow hunters, like guys that are killing big bucks every year. So they were a little more respectful. Uh, and I'm not, not, not saying that some of those traditions are disrespectful. I don't mean that by any means, but they were very, they're very serious about their hunting. Um, still had a lot of fun in camp, but that that's kind of how I was molded. And I honestly think that's why I have like the mindset I do for hunting and like the reason why I have like such a big like hatred towards like poachers and shit like that is because I grew up around respectful hunters that kind of just realize that like killing something is a serious thing, you know? hundred mm-hmm. percent. Absolutely. Completely get it. I mean, where, yeah. did, where did it all start for you? Like you, did you grow up in a family that was full blood hunting or? Uh, sort of, but not really. So uh, my mom's side of the family is near Champaign, Illinois. Um, which is southeast of where I live now. And my dad, my dad grew up around there too. My dad kind of lived all over, but he grew up around there too. Um, but my uncle and my grandpa, um, my uncle hunted deer a lot. And so I was always around like deer heads and stuff. And then my grandpa and my dad, they hunted like, you know, bird, like pheasants and, and small game. Um, and then I was at my cousin's house. Um, so it's my mom's cousin. So she was older than me. I kind of looked at her as like an aunt, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was over at her house and her husband was really big into hunting, into deer hunting. And they lived out in the country in uh, I think it was Iroquois County, Illinois. So if it just, if you're interested, you can see where it's at. And, uh, he was taking his nephew hunting. It was during shotgun season. And we were down there for like, we were visiting. It's like three, four hours away from where I live now. We were down there visiting for like a Thanksgiving, Christmas, like family get together thing, you know, cause it's getting, time frame and his nephew had shot his first buck and it was a nice little like basket rack eight pointer and he brought it back to the house and we were down there looking at it and i remember my dad going man i want to get it back into hunting because he grew up hunting like rabbits and stuff he was poor growing up and and he would hunt rabbits and like give them to some of the poor people in the neighbor older people in the neighborhood and that's what he would eat for food and pheasants he'd pheasant hunt all the time and i was like man we need to get into deer hunting i was probably like eight or nine when this was going on. And the next thing I know, like we got a hunter safety course and like the rest is history. We just dove straight into hunting. And then I shotgun hunted for three years and never killed anything in Illinois. And you got to remember that's only two weekends, you know, I, and I didn't even know about youth season. I could have been taking advantage of like an early youth season, <laughs> but I just didn't at the time. I didn't know. And I don't think my dad did either. Um, so shotgun hunted for three years, never killed anything. And then my second day bow hunting, I asked for a bow for Christmas, got like this cheap thing, like cheap out of the package deal. And then my dad was like, oh, he got a bow, started bow hunting for a year. Then they got me a serious bow hunting bow and I killed my first deer ever, which was a doe, my second day bow hunting. And the rest was like history. I'm like, well, I couldn't kill a deer with a gun for three years. And my second day bow hunting, I kill a deer. So I... (laughs) Just that felt like that was my ass. And I just honestly dove straight in. That's why I think if I would have killed a deer with a gun first, it my my mindset on bow hunting might be a little different. So I'm super thankful that bow hunting was the thing that kind of stuck to me first. And then you kind of agree. And and then you then you dove back into gun hunting after that, right? Well, so I, I continued to gun hunt. So that year trying to remember the time on the the year i killed my first deer i killed that doe like october 2nd 
in Illinois, and I don't remember what year it was. Um, it was one of those things like I hit her and I was like, oh, I'll never find her. And then she only went like 30 yards. It was, it was super cool. But I think that's the only deer I killed that year. And then my second or third, I killed a deer every year I've bow hunted since the beginning. But I, I can't remember if it was my second or my third year. I think my third year bow hunting, I killed my first buck with a bow. And I was 15. I know I was 15. So, yeah, it would have been my third year bow hunting. Killed my first buck. But I killed does every year. Um, I hit a buck my second year bow hunting. Um, but I also could, I, I did continue to gun hunt. The last, besides this last year, I killed a mule deer in Oregon with a rifle. But besides that, the last year I killed with a gun was in 2010. I killed a uh, really nice nine-pointer that had like real big twisted brow tines. And that was the last year until this. So basically, I went nine years without gun hunting. Um, and last year I killed a, I killed a mule deer with a, with a rifle in Oregon. Which was amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. It was cool shit. I like, uh, I don't, I kind of feel like I missed out on gun season, but I just love bow hunting so much. And I kind of look at like gun season as my breaks. You know what I mean? Like the family time in. And so how was that like hunting out in the Midwest? Cause you've done a, I mean, not, not in the Midwest out West. Like you've done a couple different hunts out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've hunted Colorado, um, in 2018 for elk. And then that was with your bow though, right? Yeah. I went with a bow with my, my dad, um, and the Buckstorm crew, they're from South Dakota. Some good friends I met through the podcast. We hunted elk out there in an over-the-counter unit, uh, all with all archery. And then last year, I hunted South Dakota and Oregon. I hunted South Dakota for antelope, and I hunted Oregon for mule deer with, out there with the good people at Loophold. And I hunted uh, South Dakota with Buckstorm. That's incredible. It's and then, and what, so, so is it like, it's a huge difference obviously between Midwest and the West, obviously like, w- would you, would you choose one over the other? Um, that's like a, yeah. Okay. Oh, let me explain that a little bit. I wouldn't choose one over the other, but like, if you were like, Hey, choose one over the other, there's a gun to your head type of situation. Mm-hmm. Right now, my mindset is the West is more interesting because it's new. Right. Um, what I do enjoy about the West and you got to remember if like, there might be some Western people that listen to this. What I like about the, the West, not knowing that much about it to me, it feels like there's less drama. Um, there's more public land out there. So the thought of like owning your own 40 acres in the Midwest is not a thought that a lot of Western people have because there's so much public, they don't need to worry about owning land. Um, where in Illinois, there's drama over trail cam photos, property permission, public ground, the pressure, all you just the whole whitetail drama shit is kind of burning me out a little. And the West, for what little time I get to spend out there, is kind of like the escape. It's so vast. You don't see people. The hunting is new. You're challenging like hunting skills that you think you have out there in different terrain. It really like uh it makes you it, actually I think it fine-tunes your hunting skills in different ways that you might not realize until you get back to your like home turf and start hunting again. Like, uh, for example, like Colorado taught me that, you know, and I knew this before, but it really made me realize like there's nothing in the Midwest that's going to really tire me out. Like there's no hill in the Midwest that I'm going to get up and not 
and bitch about once I get to the top. Like it ain't nothing but a thing out here to, to hang a stand and breathe a little heavy. Like that ain't shit compared to the stuff I hunted in Colorado. Oh, you mean them uh, South facing slopes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Like the, you know, you're hunting at 10,000, 11,000 feet and you're breathing because there's no air. Oh yeah. You know, that type of shit. And, and then like South Dakota is flat where we hunted antelope and you really test your skills on spot and stock. Like, how long can you stalk behind a piece of grass that's two foot taller than the rest of the grass before? Exactly. Like how, how well can you use the wind to, uh, and the terrain to get up on an animal that's wiry as all fuck. And it just really tests your skills. I, I think if, if you don't have basic hunting skills, hunting out West um, being all new to you is going to be a motherfucker. Um, but it's fun though. That's like, that's what's cool about it. You know? Yeah, see, I got the reverse of it. So I was born and raised hunting out west in northern Arizona and southern Utah. No shit. And uh, did that up until I joined the military, got out of the military, and did it a little bit, and then found myself out here on the east coast. So I got the opposite shock, where it was, you could get in the truck, go out to the forest, and hunt for five days, and never see another person. And you come out here... And someone had to explain to me, no, you can't just hike up that mountain. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, it, it's it's a very unique change between the West, the Midwest, and the East. And, yeah. Uh, I, I know exactly what you mean because I still long for, you know, elk and mule deer out West. That's. I'm surprised you don't do those hunts every year, like chase after it. Uh, I still work on them, uh, getting drawn out there. I'm. I'm particular. Uh, I put in, in units that are hard to draw trophy units and, uh, the costs are not friendly. No, they're not. That that's, that is the challenge of it and understanding different like points and all that shit is tough. Yeah. So I, I kick myself in the ass for not buying lifetime licenses while I was a resident. And yeah, yeah. That, I've got about five states that I should have done that in that I didn't. And once I got out here and really dove into hunting head first, I look back and I realize that's probably the biggest mistake I've ever made in my hunting career. Yeah, so. I can see that. But I mean, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda type of thing, man. It's sometimes you don't realize my dad talks about, you know, my dad lived in Boulder, Colorado for a while. My dad yeah. lived everywhere, but he's like, dude, I had opportunities to go hunt elk on like private ranches and go with these guys on public land and do all this crazy shit back in the day. He goes, and I wasn't into it at the time. So I just turned it down. I didn't know. He goes, looking back, I'm like, what was I thinking? I should have done that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I heard Trey, our guide in uh, Wyoming, because we did a bear hunt this last spring out there. It's <laughs> like, well, um, <laughs> actually, we got another pot. We have one more bear camp podcast coming up, like finishing up with like Chandler's Austin Chandler. He's a good good buddy. He's frequent guest on the show. He, um, he's going to talk about his experience. We got Danny green, a listener that went on that hunt with us, his experience. Clint Casper is going to talk on it. Anyway, um, Chandler found himself in a situation without giving away any details. He's like kind of him hauling around and kind of kicking his own ass. And our guide Trey goes, well, if grandpa or what do you say? If grandma had balls, she'd be grandpa. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Yep. 100%. So I, I did want to touch on that. Um, I, I know you had some very fun experiences with, 
with some of the different livestock you got to uh, use on the mountaintop. <laughs> I was just going to go there. And uh, <laughs> I know you've got a, the opportunity to have a few shows and go over that. My question for you is, did you get saddle sore? No, I didn't. I didn't ride horses enough out there. Like we did a lot of, we, I, I didn't, I wasn't on them enough. Like I, I got lucky and I tagged out my first night, like my first night hunting bears out there in the mountains. And uh, now I didn't ride them near enough to have that experience, but everybody else in camp that like hunted out to the end did have that <laughs> for sure. I um, had to ask it when you guys started talking about it, I went, man, if they're pumping around in the mountains and they haven't been riding, they're going to be hurting. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I didn't have it really. I didn't have it at all, but the other guys definitely did. Um, riding horses is like a new experience and riding horses up steep shit is an even crazier experience. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm it, it's weird. Like in the Midwest, not a fan of horses. Like I, I see people have them and they just stand in pastures. I'm like, what's the point? But out there, like they use those horses daily. Like it's part of the gig. And that is cool to me. Like I can have a different respect for the animals out there. It's like, you, there's a use for them here. They're not just like here in the Midwest. Most times they're an expense. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's rare. You see people ride them and like utilize horses and actually like spend time with their animal out there. It's like they, that's their sidekick is those horses, you know? And, um, you know, we packed all my bear meat out on a mule and it was, it was insane, man. And it, it was also insane how, I mean, I don't blame horses. They get sketchy around a dead bear. I mean, it's a oh, predator. Yeah. Really? That, um, you have no oh, idea, yeah. Trev. They get how did they, would they just, they start, they just start freaking out when they see it. I can tell a couple stories if you guys want. Yeah. It, oh, dude, yeah. Dive in. So <laughs> two stories. So, all right, the night I shot my bear, I sh- this was my first night hunting. First time I-, I shot the second bear I've ever seen in my life. So, I shoot him at, oh, it was 8.15. I can't remember. I got it on video. I'll, we'll end up posting the video soon. But um, it, get, it stays lighter longer there out west, especially in the mountains at the time. And this is like end of, end of May when we were there. And I shoot my bear at like 8.15. And he goes and rolls over and dies. I see him, I see him crash. And then another bear came back and fed on the bait until dark. And I waited for that bear to leave. Well, I send an inReach message. And an inReach for people who don't know is it's a Garmin like GPS thing, but you can text through it through satellite because there's absolutely zero service there. So um, I bought that inReach before the trip so I could just text my wife, make sure everything was cool. But Clint, our buddy Clint Casper, he has an inReach too, so we can text back and forth through that in reach and it like, like Bluetooth through your phone. So I text him. I'm like, dude, I just shot a bear and they're freaking out at, at the trailhead, which is like two miles away. So they ride the horse and the mule in. And basically the horses were starting to get sketchy because of the, they could smell the bear. Well, anyway, my bear died back in there. So we were going to come back the next day, skin them out, quarter them, um, take photos, all that shit, you know, the next morning, um, kind of just similar. Like if you kill the big buck, couldn't get, you know, get them out that night. You come back in the morning and then it was cold at night and shit. So it was all good. Um, tagged them up and everything. So I get back to camp and another guy in camp, Ty Glenn had shot a bear, um, earlier and he already had it skinned out. He shot it earlier on the night where he get it skinned out and he got it hung up on the bear pole where the hide was hanging on the, on the pole. So I was back at camp having a celebratory, um, bush light. Cause we brought like a hundred of them back into the mountains. <laughs> why not? And, uh, 
So Clint Casper and our buddy Devin come in on the horses. Um, Clint's on the mule. Devin's on this big horse. And they come up and, and Ty's all excited about his bear. He's like, come, come look at this bear. Come look at this bear. And they're like, hey, let's, let us tie these horses up. And he's like, no, 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 just come, come look at the bear. Come look at the bear. So they ride their horses up, like right up to the bear pole. And the horses, like, like they can smell that bear. So they're acting sketchy. You know, it's a predator. It's a killer. Yep. And they're getting weird. And Ty is friends with Devin. And we're all good buddies. You know, it's hunting camp. We're kind of being dumb. And for the record, we're out here being dumb because we're all buddies with Trey, the guide. So Trey is not around. Like, he's not there to babysit us like he should have been. So all this is our own dumbass. <laughs> And I'm standing there kind of just like drinking my beer, laughing at all of them, like being goofballs. Well, the horses are being sketchy and Ty is messing with Devin and he goes, come on, buckaroo, slap his horse on the ass when it's already sketched out by this bear. Oh, shit. And so that wasn't the problem. The horse was fine. But Devin's like, okay, riot control, steers his horse into Ty to try and like run him over with the horse kind of as a joke. It's all, it's all, we're all kidding around. We're all laughing going, Oh shit. Like, Oh man, goofing off like idiots. Of course. Well, that happens. Clint's on this mule. His mule freaks the fuck out. <laughs> takes off full sprint after me. Cause I'm just in the way. And, uh, I'm running with this mule behind me and I dive off into the woods and this mules full sprint towards the tents and Clint's on it. And he dives off and hits the only patch of snow that was still left in camp. And his horse just circled back around and ran into the horse trough. And uh, oh, that's when I realized like how sketchy like bears make horses. So, and we were the first camp of the year too, so they hadn't been around them all year, you know. Right. That's so crazy. Yeah, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so did you end up telling Ty? I mean, um, what's his name about it? Oh the- yeah, yeah. They weren't too thrilled with us. I mean, (laughs) mad at us. Right. But they are just like, you guys are dumb. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Like we all laughed about it. It was pretty funny. But when we packed my bear out the next morning, we put all of the bear meat on that mule. And I carried the hide out because they were just acting too sketchy about the hide, um, the hide in the head. So I packed that out and it it was cool, man. It was kind of like an interesting thing. And like, Oh, of course they're sketched out by bears. Like, why would they not be? Absolutely. That's just so nuts. I never would have even thought that. And especially being tools, like you're saying, and being used every single day and around all those things. Like, why yeah. would they ever be sketchy about it? But well, it can actually some, bear, or some horses are not sketched out by it. Like, I asked, I was kind of asking, like, oh, well, what are they like? It's like, oh, some horses don't give a shit. Like, it's just whatever. But, yeah. you know, do, a well trained quarter horse that's been around it and is familiar, they're not going to panic because they know, okay, the difference between a live bear, a dead bear, or this is my usual routine and yeah. it doesn't, doesn't really screw them up. But well, that's there are really, those, those horses get very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Skittish. Uh, yeah. So you get skittish, but you also got the uh, defensive, you know, they, they go into survival mode because yeah, they yeah, can't yeah. see it, but they can smell it. Yeah, for sure. And, and then there were some, like some of the guides there, like Devin was a pretty, I mean, he could ride a horse around and, and he helped us get the horse off the mountain and stuff, but he was like fairly new. And you asked the other guys are just like, I'm like, what do you do with that? Like that horse will let you put the bear on. He goes, you just put it on it. Like it, it'll be fine. Like it, it'll just get used to it. Like, and it's, the, the, you know what I mean? It's just different guys handle them different. Right. Um, I just thought it was funny. He's like, ah, oh, you just, why not throw it on the horse? He'll be fine. Like he'd, he'll, he'll be all right. He'll settle down. I'm like, oh, okay. Confidence in knowing, I guess. You just have a little more experience than the next guy. 
So. <laughs> to them, it's just like it's like a dog. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. like we would with like a dog. Oh yeah, it doesn't really like firecrackers, but if you light off enough around them, they'll get used to it, right? And then they're the yeah. same with their horses. Like right. just put the fucking bear on them; they'll be fine. They'll figure it out. You know? Yeah. I mean, we used to uh, gun train our horses back on the ranch. And we'd get to the point where you could shoot pretty much anything while sitting in the saddle off of the horse. Oh, no kid! When you start, you know, when they're 18 months old and you've got them in the trailer and they're haltered up real tight so they can't hurt themselves and you're firing at 22, they go berserk. But Uh, after, you know, five, six hundred rounds over time, they calm down and they realize there's really no threat here. And yeah. then you start shooting real low calibers off their back and build your way up again. And you get to the point you can shoot a 308 off the back of a horse and it doesn't flinch. That's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense, though. You know? They just get used to it. That's that's fucking... That's one of those things. So I got to ask, with, with the with the whole bear thing, like, how was that? Like, being in the mountains, like, by yourself and then just having this giant bear come in and then you're, you're going to harvest this animal and... It was crazy, man. It was, uh, the whole experience was just insane. It, it was, and I did not expect one. I did not expect one to come in my first night and I didn't expect to shoot like a color phase bear for my first one ever either. Um, it was, it was incredible, man. It's like bear has always been on my bucket list to a point, but it's never been, uh, like my one or top one or two, but it's always something I've wanted to do and wanted to do in the near future. Um, and I was getting kind of like people talking like, Hey, you should come on this bear hunt, you know, next spring we're going, or this fall we're going. Um, and it kind of, I, I got to thank Clint Casper for, for sure. Cause he kind of like forced me to do this hunt. He's like, Hey, we're going, I'm like, all right, we're going. And, and then we went a month later, like yeah, we planned it in a month. Yeah. Um, great. So I just got lucky. I had the vacation time. Um, I had nothing else going on and it was just like, Hey, here's this opportunity. Let's go kill a bear in Wyoming. Um, chances of shooting color phase are better there than anywhere else. I'm like, fuck, I'm in, dude. Let's do this. It, it was cool, man. I I've never seen a bear in the wild before this hunt. You know, like I had a bear come in first, and I drew back on the bear, and I'm like, I can't tell. I don't know how to judge these things. What the fuck? And I studied too. I studied hard on how to judge bears, and it's so difficult. And I let down, and I'm glad I did because then that other bear that I ended up shooting came in, and I'm like, well, that one's a lot bigger, and uh, just. I end up with a really good bear, man. It's it was luck, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, and you know we talked about it at the shoot a little bit, and I, I it, you know how I feel. I think in my mind, you are way you you shot that hundred and sixty inch white tail your first bear, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say I did too. Um, I I knew that I had shot a good bear. Well, I didn't know right away. I thought that I had shot a good bear. But I always had people tell me for because I have I hang out with like experienced bear hunters, honestly, um, guys that have killed like 20 plus inch bears. And everybody told me your first bear you shoot, you're going to think it's big, but it's going to be a cub like it's going to be a small one. So in my head, I'm like, I thought he was big. So when Devin and Clint came up the mountain, like how big I'm like, dude, I don't know. I thought he was big. He was a color phase. And they're like, oh, shit, you know, and then we get up to him and he was kind of like balled up and a bunch of fall downs. And they're like, that's a good bear. And Devin gets up and he 
pulls its head out. He goes, oh, fuck, dude. That's a really good bear. And I'm like, shit, okay, cool, man. And then the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, is this a good bear? Because it looks fucking good to me. And yeah. like, that's a good bear. So I have yeah. some of that on video, like just some, like cell phone clips and stuff that I'll probably post here soon. Um, but yeah, like I agree, man. I, I do think I got lucky and was that dude that came out and shot a 160 inch type whitetail first hunt, first day. Definitely. Yeah. Which is unheard of nearly. And, and it's incredible. So I'm, I'm trying to drag Trev down here and give him a similar opportunity because <laughs> I've got some. So bears for me out here where I'm at are almost a near daily encounter across the farm. Uh, we can sit on the porch and we'll watch bears cross. And oh, my first bear was actually maybe 400 yards behind the house. No shit. And it wasn't even, in, I'm going to say intentional. I was actually chasing a uh, a 12-point buck, a big mountain buck for the East Coast. It is one of those unheard of. He probably would have been in the high 140s. And the buck was coming in, and he spooked, turned around, hauled ass. Mm-hmm. And I had a bear come in. And I went, well, shit, that makes sense. Well, the bear <laughs> left, and the 12-point starts coming back in. Oh, shit. And then it hauls ass again, and the bear comes back in. I was like, you son of a bitch. And that bear bellied down right in front of me at 18 yards, and he sat there for three hours. And I said, if this thing stands up, I'm going to kill it. So he popped up, and I put an arrow through it. And I knew it was a a good bear, mature bear. Didn't think it was a big bear. Well, I shot it, and it ran uh, about maybe 40 yards or so before it dropped but it was about an 80 foot drop in elevation in thick, thick timber. Yeah. So finally let it finish, got down there, checked him out that night and uh, had no clue what I got myself into. (laughs) Ended up getting him out the next morning with the truck and a winch and I had to cut a line to him because it's so damn thick out here in the East that you can't just, put them on a sled and slide them through the trees. You got to cut the trees out of the way. Right. Got him back to the house, took him down to the check station, weighed him. He was 392. And uh, with my non-official calipers, he was about 18 and a half inches. No kidding. And this was just sheerly out of you screwed up my deer hunt and I got a tag. (laughs) That's awesome though. That's cool, man. So I ended up kind of in the same boat. Non-residents can get bear tags there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. for oh. a really good price too. Trev's gonna come down open a weekend, and uh, we're gonna we got a little color phase that's running around here that we're gonna see if we can't get Trev on. No kidding, that's awesome. So Fuck man, well Just that's like a different, different kind of bear. <laughs> yes, big difference. Big yeah. difference. Well, I didn't know. So I shot mine on the mountain, so I never got like a live weight on them or anything like that. And and they're so hard to judge, especially for just a whitetail guy. And I was asking, like, how heavy you think? And we lifted them up and like three dudes lifted them up and we're like three, three fifty ish. And then um, and I don't know how big his skull is. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping he's Pope and young. Um, we he's at Beetle now. Um, and old barn's like, Hey, put a rush on it so we can get this guy's skull. You know, he's all excited. Um, I, I had one guy, 
So Chandler has killed a 17 and 18 inch bear. Our buddy Ross Bigger has killed two 20 inch bears. And I think Clint Castle killed a 21 inch bear. Jesus. And I had, I was having all them guys with their experience look at it and everyone said like, he's got to be 18 or better. He's got to be 18 or better. So I'm just hoping if he's not whatever, but I just, it'd be a nice, just little icing on the cake. If he, if he was Pope and young. Oh yeah. I, I, after looking at the pictures and just kind of looking at the way his ears is the way that meat is on the top of his head and how wide his head is. Yeah. In my mind, you're breaking that 18 inch mark. Okay. I honestly don't think you're coming short. Awesome. That's good to hear. What is Pope and young is Pope and young 18. Yeah. Yep. 18. Which now can you measure your own Kurt? Uh, I can't enter my own. That's not a good question. But, um, but I can, you know, I can measure it. And then I, if I wanted to enter them in the book, I'd have to take it to a measure. Oh <laughs> shit. That's crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I never, for those that don't know, Kurt is actually a measure for Pope and young. That's why I asked. <laughs> yeah. 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 So How long I have you would, been doing that for? 10 years. Jeez. Yeah, What's the crazy. craziest thing that you've ever had to measure? <laughs> I entered a net 213-inch whitetail. Um, that was really cool. I measured a – I'm drawing a blank on how big it was. I think I measured one bigger. He was a city buck, and he was a big double dropper, like giant, giant oh. buck. I can't remember the score on that one. The 213 buck I remember because – it was the biggest buck I'd measured at the time. And the two, the two thirteen buck looked cooler than the other buck without the drops, but he just looked more impressive. Right. Um, I, yeah, it was cool. If I was to be a Pope and young measure, it would have to be in the Midwest because obviously like up here, <laughs> you, you're not going to get that many, but like down there, you can, it's a whole <laughs> different ball game of things. I don't get up. that often. You'd be surprised. Well, especially now because of COVID and shit. Right. Like, yeah. But um, either people just don't care um, but I think a lot of it, if you want my honest opinion, I think a lot of it is that whitetail judginess that I was talking about earlier a little bit, like the Midwest versus the Western style thing. Like there's so much like, that's my deer. Where do you hunt? I want to hunt there, that type of bullshit. And I mm-hmm. think that there's a lot of people from wanting to get their deer measured because they have to like state where they shot it. Not exactly where they shot it, but, yeah. uh, you know, like what town, what county, that type of shit. Yeah. Virginia, uh, it's by county. Yeah, and then it's the same way here, but like they do ask like nearest town, right? Um, And I think a lot of people, people who don't know a lot about the entry process, think like they want GPS coordinates to the kill shot, right? And 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 I get that to a point, you know. Like I understand it. Like if I kill a two hundred forty inch buck in Illinois, I would be like, ain't nobody fucking gonna know where I'm killed this thing, just because I don't want people fucking with me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. Like that's the sad thing about it, man. Like. People do that shit now. It sucks. And you run into the issue of, uh, you know, either I'm not going to say poor measures, but either measures who don't hold up to their end or things of that nature that, you know, you see people going around hitting five or six trying to get different measurements, you know, see who's going to give them the big score. Yes. You know, can't do it. That's why if someone hits me up, I can tell if somebody who has measured it like pencil marks, give it. It's a dead giveaway. Like some dude who's been marking on it with a pencil, um, on right. the antlers, you know, pencil marks is dead giveaway. First thing I ask, has it been measured before? And then I go from there. Um, before I have like my appointment, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, 
Because it's like, well, yeah, I had this guy measure it a year ago, but he said it was 126, and I think it's 146. And they'd be like, ah, dude, I, I'm sorry, but I can't but score shopping. Like, you know, I, we're tr- I'm trained the same way as the next Pope and Young measure. Right. You know, like he another Pope and Young measure is not going to measure a 146 to a 126. It's just he'd have to he'd have to be fucking pass out drunk to do that. <laughs> know a few of those. Yeah. Speaking of. <laughs> That's yeah. the only reason my bear never got officially scored. I <laughs> sent it to a scorer and it was there for a year and uh, it never got scored within that year. So, uh, well, a bear skull measurement is two goddamn measurements. I think uh, I can enter that bear for you if you bring it out next time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was going to bring it down to the shoot, but I knew you guys were busy. But uh, at the same time, I always just find it a, a funny fact that, you know, someone had their hands on it for a year. And there was enough time for it to be handed off and have uh, a professional whitening job done on it and returned and still never got measured. So I would gladly measure it for you. I could probably do it in about a minute and a half. Yeah. It's pretty difficult. (laughs) Uh, Two measurements, length and width to the nearest 16th of an inch. Yeah. That's crazy. And And it takes no time at all. No, I got I got bear calipers sitting right there in my garage. Jeez, giant calipers! You do it, and then you measure the width of the calipers. Yeah, Lengthen. it's it's not difficult. <laughs> Some guys make boxes or squares where you just put the skull in there, and then you like close the box up and you measure the the width of the box. It's pretty cool. That's badass. Yeah, I haven't tried that. I haven't looked yeah. at that. I I yeah. used uh, unofficial Harbor Freight plastic calipers. Well, I'm doing different, so right. Yeah, yeah, it's just to get a general idea of should I waste my time. And when it was half an inch over, I went, you know what? I probably should. Yeah, I mean, you're close enough. Like you can't. It. it, It's not like a white tail. You know, skulls are pretty simple. Length and width. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get on that next time we get together. Yeah, man, I'd be honored to do it for you. And you boiled yours, didn't you, Stephen? Yeah, this one was boiled. This was. pre-education on the proper ways to euro mount or beetle a skull so trev has since educated me (laughs) (laughs) after walking around uh pennsylvania and him pointing out all the flaws with all the other ways i went yeah i'll just send my shit to you yeah no kidding right i i I made sure mine was going to be beetled and not boiled just because i wanted to squeeze every every 16th of an inch out of them as i could Yep. And you can really shrink the shit out of a skull yeah. by boiling it. And I, I think I did. You can see some of the marks, Trev. You'll remember where it, it looks like it's compressed a little. I think a lot of people don't realize that, too. And that's the same with, like, uh, antelope, too, or anything that has a sheathing. Yeah, yeah. You can actually shrink it by the heat of it. But there's no – the problem with that is that there's no option because to get it in the beetles, you have to actually sweat the, the horn off. So it right. has to actually be heated. So it's one of those kind of catch twenty twos. Right. So you get to do it to you know get the horn off the bone, the bone core. Mm-hmm. Correct. That's nuts. Okay. Cool. Hell yeah, man. Fucking I, I do have one question for you, man. And it's something I we always ask. Is yeah. uh what what drives you outdoors? What drives me outdoors? Yeah. I think I just have like a well, I there's two answers to this. I have like a a deep like mental attachment to it. So like mm-hmm. I need it 
And I kind of see it as like this sacred thing. And that I think it's good for my soul. Honestly, I, as corny as that might sound like something I need, I love the pursuit of it. I love like spending time out there. I love figuring out animals. I respect the animals more than people probably even realize. Um, so there's that side to it. And the other side to it is it keeps me out of trouble, man. I honestly think like, because of hunting, it's kind of kept me on track. Like, it helped me make good decisions because, like, you know, yeah, I'm wild. I was a wild kid, man, from basically 16 to the time I was 23. I was a wild motherfucker. And hunting was, like, that one thing that, like, kept me like, hey, don't do that because you can't go hunting if you do some fucked up shit and get in trouble. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. so there's there's two sides to that. Like, it, it kind of kept me on track. It kept me out of trouble. It made me think twice about things um, where I think if I didn't have it, not that I would have done like some messed up shit, like some real like dirty, dirty stuff, but <laughs> you kind of like kept me out of just like petty trouble, you know, like growing up and like made me think twice about maybe like a bad decision or if someone was like influencing me to do something bad. Um, kept my, kept my mind right. Kept my morals right. Kept my ethics right. Um, made me have like ambition to like chase a goal, that type of thing. I'm all, I'm all, I'm all about it, man. I was the same exact way being that troublemaker, not really troublemaker, but you just, you could have easily drifted off the wrong path, you know? And yeah, well, I grew up a street fight or whatever the fuck it was, you know? Yeah. Well, exactly. You know, I grew up a BMX kid. I grew up a kid that grew up kickboxing and being just rowdy and, and all that. And, uh, you know, I mean, if anybody knows anything about BMX kids or at least the crew I rolled around with BMX, you know, BMX and we were rowdy. Just always kind of getting into shit, and it was kind of like entertainment, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Kept you interested. So I had to ask. So I, for as long as I've listened, as long as I've known you, uh, I've nobody has ever pointed out what was your your bike brand. Oh yeah, cool. Um, so I had a couple. Um, Redline was like what I started with, of course. Racer. Uh, when I raced really heavily, I don't know if you've ever heard of the brand Croupy. Oh yeah. I raced, I had two croupy frames, like fully built frames and raced for a while with those. And then I had a, I trail rode a, I don't know if you remember the brand stolen. I do. It was the brand I, I trail rode the, I had a race frame was a croupy and then on the side I had a trail frame was, which was a stolen. And then I don't ride a lot anymore, but I ride every now and again, I'll bust it out and ride. I have an S and M LAF. Nice right call. Now. Um, which I think is cool as shit because it's like that bike is now considered mid school. Yeah. Which is really funny. And for people who don't know what LAF stands for, the model, it stands for light as fuck, which <laughs> I don't feel like my bike is very light. I got like sun wrinkle, like big city rims and stuff on it now. But the cool thing about it is like through podcasting and through talking about like my BMX days and how, um, you know, I, I want to ride again and get back into it for like my workout. Um, and now I have a space to like build a track and a pump track and all that. If I want, um, I had a guy who listens to the podcast. Who's also, um, a hardcore bow hunter. He owns a company called machine bike company, and they are going to send me a frame with all the working class logos and stuff like tattooed. Oh no shit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm a brand new frame. They're out of Texas. I'm just badass dudes. He sends me these kick-ass BMX videos all the time. So when you see me getting in shape for Western hunts and stuff, it's going to be, 
riding a pump track in my backyard on a BMX bike is what I'm hoping. Dude, that's, that's going to be class. badass. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was always a, uh, on the, the race side of it, I was GT ran the Gary Turner. Hell yeah. And then we were primarily street later in, they, uh, put a park in there in town and I was a, uh, a DK generally guy. Oh, fuck yeah. So we that was rode, a mid bike. That would be considered mid school now. Yeah. Funny enough. Yeah. I have a, I don't know if you remember this or not. I hope you do because it's in that time frame. You, do you remember Robbie Miranda? Oh, absolutely. I have a poster. I don't know if you saw it when you were in the garage at my place. I, don't, I thought I had it up. I have a poster of Robbie Miranda on a DK jumping the DK 1-800 collect trailer. Um, they set up these big jumps on each end of the trailer and they had a dirt bike pull them and he jumped it and it was like, it was a... Uh, yeah, at the time that was I remember that cuz it was in a it was in BMX magazine. Yeah, and it was in I don't know if you remember the video DK Intuition. Yep. That's my favorite BMX video of all time. Oh yeah, uh, hands down. I don't down. Even know if you can find it anymore, but if you're into BMX, look up DK Intuition. Super early 2000s, but like my my favorite video ever. But they they showed him jumping it in that video and I, it's like a, a snapshot where it shows like a time frame where it's like I don't know, 10 photos blended into one of him, like over that whole trailer. Yeah. And he did a BMX clinic at our local track and no shit posters and signed that poster for me. And I have it hanging up in the garage. So no, I, I didn't notice Trev had me too busy, uh, frying fish cakes, but, uh, that's badass, dude. I still have it, man. That hung in my room and I was a, just a hardcore BMX kid forever. And I, I busted it out of the box. I moved in my new place. I'm like, this is going up in the garage, man. It's just one of those cool things where oh, I don't yeah. know, eventually I'm just going to be that old gnarly BMX dude, but I'm, I want to get back into riding, man. I just need the motivation. I, I don't hang out with a lot of people that ride anymore. So it's kind of all on, all on me. Um, so when these guys said, Hey, we're, we're coming out with a new frame. We want to send you a frame and send me your logo. We'll, we'll put it on the head tube. Um, and I'm like, well, looks like I'm going to have to borrow my buddy Ross's skid steer and build a track behind my shed out there. And, Dude, I can't freaking wait. That's yeah. badass. So badass. So we see if I can get it back. <laughs> when we were kids, man, we used to have a dirt track uh, in between the two neighborhoods on the lake that I live on. Uh, my, my parents were at, and that's where we grew up was hanging around there, man. I had a specialized fat boy, man. And that's, oh, that's all yeah. we did every single day was just fucking ride and on these dirt jumps and, and these it was literally this person's backyard and there'd be like 15 of us there. We used to call it the whoopee and we'd go there and just ride fucking every single day. Awesome, man. We all started, but it's not like that no more, man. The kids no. just aren't into that kind of stuff, you know? Hell no. There ain't a phone attached to it. There's no buttons to push. Yeah. Sure. I thought, like talk to my other buddies that grew up. I'm like, yeah, man, do you feel like kids ride like we used to ride? But I feel Hell like no. some of the kids they do see are super gnarly and really, really good. Um, but I feel like the vast majority is like, they're just like playing video games. But I don't know. I don't want to like, ju- like hate on the generation below us, but I imagine there's some really gnarly BMX oh, riders. There, there are some badass dudes. So I'm, I'm about two and a half hours South of Pastrana land in Maryland. Oh yeah. And it's not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not uncommon that I will actually see them running their rigs through here, running to go off and do their shoots and shows and shit like that. And uh, the dudes that come through here, if you ever catch some of their stuff, some of the Nitro Circus stuff, I mean, it's just it's like, you know, you see these 17-year-olds and it's like, man, if I could have rode at that level at that age, 
I wouldn't be here. Those guys are insane. Yeah. I, I, I just tried shit. You know what I mean? Like we had a pro section at our track and I'm sure you're familiar with like what a pro section is. Oh yeah. We'd have national races at our track and I'd be like the, one of the gnarly like 14 year old kids that would like split off during a national main champion or like not not a championship, but a main race and try and jump the freaking pro section just to be an idiot. Just to see if you can make it. Yeah. And I, you know, I (laughs) jump all the time and practice, but I'll have to send you guys some pictures. I got some pretty funny pictures of me on 14 and 15 jumping trails and just like, just being a gnarly little kid, you know? Hell yeah. Well, if you ever get bored, you can come out here. We're, uh, I think we're three hours from Woodward in Pennsylvania. Dude, I always want to go to Woodward, but I know I'd go there now and break both my collarbones. And just <laughs> make it, uh-huh. Why do you think I haven't gone? <laughs> I broke my collarbone uh, when I was reeling to ride, and, and I still hunted at the time. I remember like crying because I didn't know how, like, literally crying because I didn't know how long it'd be before I could like hunt. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I you can't draw with a broken collarbone. It ain't going to happen. Uh, it's a bad time. It's a real bad time. <laughs> yeah. so, that's the thing, you know, like me building this pump track and stuff, you know, come late August, I'm not going to be, uh, not going to be riding so hard, that type of thing. So, um, they said it'd be a couple months before I get that frame. So it'll be like a late spring time thing before I start riding because I'm not going to break a collarbone early September and try to be bow hunting in October. For sure. Or just, just hurt myself in general, you know? Like I might take it easy. I'm going to build a pump track, so I'm not going to be like jumping crazy shit, but yeah, you're not airing shit. Yeah. I'm going to tape. I'm, I'll taper into it as, is the plan. I hope. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you owe that to the baby and the wife. I yeah. That. No kidding. And the deer <laughs> and the deer. No. Well, the deer would be thankful. Yeah. <laughs> I feed the family with the deer. So I got to, yeah. Gotta do do you have big plans for this season? Do you already have some target bucks all planned out? No, actually. Um, I'm going to South Dakota the end of September. Eric and I and my old man are going with the Buckstorm boys antelope hunting again. Um, but no, as far as like big bucks, it's I don't. I You know, I live in Illinois. I don't get to run supplemental feed. And I killed both my target bucks last year on that property. And I really don't have anything right now, honestly. Just to be straight up, I know the answer would be like, yeah, I've got a couple I'm looking at, but that, you know, I'm not going to bullshit. I don't. But I know I'm, not, I'm not scared to admit that because that's part of the thing about being a bow hunter. It's, you know, you got to have some adaptability. Nothing's guaranteed. Uh, so you just figure it out. One will show up and that's when you got to make your move. It's when you get tested. Yeah, because you killed, you killed a good one last year. Well, you killed two target books last year. Yeah, killed both the bucks I wanted to kill last year. So it's a good I, year. I got a feeling that uh, you're going to find some pretty good success within a couple hundred yards of the house. I hope, man. I just can't <laughs> hunt here, you know, um, as much. Like, I got a couple pieces nearby. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're here, you know. That's that's part of the fun, you know. It's I, I say that a lot is guess and check. Don't be afraid to try shit. And don't be afraid to admit that you don't know. I don't, I don't have a buck I'm looking at right now. One could pop up. Next time I check my cameras and I'm like, all right, time to hone in, you know? Um, I think the typical answer there is like, yeah, I got a couple shooters I'm looking at. I've been following them, but it's, I don't have that, that deal. It's just how it is, you know? Yep. Reality. Yeah. I, I think that's the fun of it though. Like going into it, not knowing, you know what I'm saying? And then just making that plan and just attacking on it, you know, when they do. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. It's um, I don't know, man. It's I, I have mixed opinions. Trail cams are so good, but I feel like they overplay a lot. I mean, how many times do you see people with like all these pictures of monsters but never kill anything? You know, they fuck the it up time. and they get going. Um, and they don't know they did that. You know, but they're still online acting like they're on them. It's just, it's just part of it. It's weird. Weird times, man. The well, the best is when they see the picture and the pictures at midnight or one in the morning. And then by the time that they end up there, the fucking deer is three miles away. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's, you know, I don't know. There's, it's, hunting media is to blame for a lot of it. I mean, it's weird, man. And Mark Drury on our last podcast, so like trail cams are to blame for a lot of this. I absolutely loved how you guys went through that. Thanks, man. That Thanks. that 100% puts my thoughts into perspective. That's what I've tried to figure out how to articulate to so many people. It's like trail cameras are cool, but ultimately you may be screwing yourself. So yeah. I, I think the way you covered it was money. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do think that. I think uh, a lot of people fuck themselves with trail cameras in general. Like just on a basic level, I think you can fuck yourself or even get going by just walking in to check your trail cameras. Guys are checking them every two weeks in the summer. Yep. Fuck. Can you imagine? It's like the, you got a buck in there, you're in there every two weeks, messing with, every week, messing with them. What the hell do you think he's going to do? And you he's can't gonna, figure out why he doesn't come around. Yeah. It's, there's just my, you know, I, I picked up a new property this year. I lost a property and picked up a new one. Super thankful for it. And I don't know if it's a good or a bad farm, but what I did was every camera that I put on it a few weeks ago, and keynote a few weeks ago, it's all fringes. Like I'm not walking through the timber. Right. Like I'm I'm on the edges. I'm checking them there. And then I work my way in. I'm not in a hurry. Um hopefully hopefully it's a spot I can hunt for a few years, but then I'll work my way in. You know, it's I'm not out there taking pictures of velvet bucks in places I hunt. You know, I'll take I'll take pictures of velvet bucks that I can see from my road by my house, but I'm not gonna go in there and fuck with my deer on that I plan on hunting in the fall, you know, that type of thing. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an overly summer scouting type of guy. I'm with you, man. A hundred percent. Well, they're going to move those patterns also. Yeah. So if you get, that's if really, you get keyed into that one pattern, then they but, might move and not be on that pattern that, also. And that right there is, I want to say is probably one of my biggest pet peeves is I love watching people get summer pictures of bucks and they get so honed in. I'm going to get that buck. I got him figured out. Oh, this is, uh, you know, he's here at this time on this pressure, on this wind, on this moon. And then the fall comes around and they disappear and they can't figure out what happened. Yeah. Because they don't understand. They're going to change patterns. Yep. Yeah. I mean, everything changes. Uh, you know, fuck, especially once that velvet comes off, man. Yep. Game over. Once the once the once they become hard horned and the testosterone changes, it's it's a whole different ball game. I mean, you could kill that deer. I mean, for us, I don't know when the season opens for you, but a season for us here in Connecticut is September fifteenth. So, when if you get those summer pattern deer, like say on a cell camera or something, and those deer are consistently on that, we have an actual chance to shoot them until I would say probably somewhere around October first, and then they start to really change and they really change those patterns. Um, yeah, and then October things 1st, totally go for it. What was that? October first is when our season opens. So okay, I, we had like a fifteen day lead, but also then I don't though because it's so hot. Right. Oh, I hate uh, early September. Early season sucks. 
This is so darn hot. Like you're in a pair of shorts. <laughs> it's like Miserable. I'm in Florida. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to run and go to the bathroom and grab a beer real quick. So cool. Do you think? Yeah, man? absolutely. Do you think? We got you. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, it's always good. <laughs> World's quickest piss break. Well, I had to grow a beer too. So it wasn't you, just a waste of time. Yeah, priorities. You need right. those, especially in the podcast, because when it gets oh. deep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm bringing Modelo. I'm out of my element a little bit. Why is that? I'm. It's Modelo. I normally drink Bush Light. I, don't, I just oh. bought it. I've never really like drank it, so I was like, oh, I'll try that. It's got a cool like gold label around it. We'll try it out. But How bad was it's it? It's not bad, actually. I like Modelo. It, it's I'm not like, a go-to. I'm drinking the, uh, the darker one, like the lager. Yeah. I don't know. And it's all right. I mean, it's good. I've drank... <laughs> pile of them so i can't bitch but yeah it it's not great i don't go out of my way to get it but if that's what's there and i want a a, a spanish beer that's what i'll hit i'm not i'm i'm not mad at it i'll say that fair enough it'd be worse <laughs> there's definitely worse beers out there <laughs> oh yeah sure <laughs> like shabine no <laughs> <laughs> damn being interrupted by that so, <laughs> I was just being, oh, I had to. I had to. That's uh, funny. Actually, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> oh, was fuck. it the beer that was bad or was it the representation that was bad? It was the rep- representation for sure. Yeah, okay. For sure. The beer, I didn't mind. You know? No, the beer was good. I still have some in my fridge. I buy it all the time. Yeah, I thought it was good beer. I definitely did. Um, we drank a metric shit ton of it. Yeah, for sure. Drank a lot. Drank a lot of it. But yeah, man. So how's the podcast been for you guys? Like starting the whole new gig and everything. Well, I mean, that's that side of it for Trev, but just in general. It's it's phenomenal, man. I, I absolutely love it. I think I think the avenue of as to like where the podcast is going and what the opportunities that have arose and just going down different avenues you know, having the full outdoors type thing and, and not just kind of pigeonholed into one, you know, bow hunting type yeah, podcast. Right. I think it's definitely been a, a great thing. Oh, especially yeah. being on the East coast. Cause you know, on the East coast, it's not a bow hunting standard. Most people here know about fishing, sea ducks, uh, saltwater, freshwater, all the different variations, you know, a little bit of upland birds and, uh, I, I, Even I, our hiking. I mean, we have the Appalachian oh, Trail here. That one's going to be one fun the, coming up. Yeah, which is like one of like the biggest things. I mean, that the Appalachian Trail runs from Georgia to Maine, um, the entire East Coast. Um, and people actually spend six months and hike it. So, like, oh, there's a lot of shit out here that's like untalked about and untapped, you know? Um, yeah. And I think having a podcast that's full outdoors like that can really open up a lot of eyes to a lot of things and what the East really has to offer. Yeah, that's a good point. That's cool, man. I like I like how you guys did play off like the outdoor thing and not just like, you know, the the whatever rifle hunter or bow hunter or whitetail. You know, a lot of podcasts box themselves into like that whitetail corner. Well, our biggest thing was, you know, come summertime, that off season, when everyone's out fishing, boating, camping, working, whatever, they're not really putting a lot of emphasis on what they're doing outdoors there are a lot of things that happened during that time and we wanted to really get some uh, highlights on that really pointed out that this, the outdoors is a year round thing. So and you guys 
I've already done this, but you guys ever have any like just straight up like backpackers or hikers or anything like that on? <laughs> oh, stay tuned. We've yeah. got one literally, uh, she completed a through hike on the Appalachian trail during COVID and she just finished last week and she's going to be jumping on to share her experiences. Oh, that's cool. So very cool, man. I like, like it. I like the angle. Dead it's, hardcore. It, you know, and it's, it's one of the things like for me, like this time of year, my mind is in fishing. I mean, I'm not really thinking about hunting or anything like, I mean, I am, but not to that level. Like my mind is killing big fish and chasing big fish and so like my, that's where my mind is. So like, that's what I want to talk about. So it's just easier with having a podcast like this to have a platform, to be able to talk about that when it's fresh on my mind, you know, um, like coming home from work and after I've been fishing all day and I have my mind's on big fish and to come home to talk about deer, I can do it, but it's really, it's not what's fresh in my mind. You know what I'm saying? No. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it's just, it's just it, kind man. of cool, man. And you it, know, I think it's, they're doing it right. I like to see it. I think the dynamic team that we have, I mean, it's, it's just, it's something that, um, it, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. I mean, Steven with the tech behind it, I mean, that's just some of the things that you've seen over the past couple of days that were sending you and shit, like yeah. it's on, on this fucking ball, you know? So it's really cool to have something like that and just a Thanks, dynamic Trav. team like that. <laughs> oh, it's true, bro. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I, it's cool. I, I geek out on graphics, man. That's, that's my thing. Video and graphics. Yeah, it's very cool, man. You guys are you guys are doing a good job, man. It's kind of cool, like Trev, going back, like when we talked on the phone a couple of years ago about you just wanting to start a podcast in general, and then to now, kind of just like the friendship that it's all rolled into, you know. Absolutely, man. It's it's been something like it it's been incredible, dude. I I wouldn't drive that far to hang out with somebody I didn't like, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny, man. Which, yeah. by the way, again, thanks for having us in your backyard yeah, for, for sure, man. Two rainy nights. Oh shit! Of course, yeah. It sucks that we had the rainy weather for the bow shoot, but it's... oh, that story will live in infamy. <laughs> well, I it will. Like that's the thing. Like you will remember it. For, remember that one year it poured rain on us. That, that, exactly. That kind of thing. That's what's cool. The novelty of it's kind of neat. But hopefully, yeah. we have a weekend next year. And I'm trying to brainstorm some ideas on, to make the shoot like a little more unique. We're talking about doing it two days instead of one day. Um, but I don't know. We'll see, man. I, I got a little bit to figure out once the trade shows get through, we'll start mapping out some stuff pretty serious, but it doesn't hurt to start snowballing some ideas, but for sure. Uh, yeah. Be a good time. Good club out there. Galesburg archery club was really great to us. And I think they were happy with the turnout and we were thrilled with it too. And hopefully next year it's bigger and better. Well, see, you guys fun. really screwed up. Let me and Trev set the targets. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> there, that all at the same time. <laughs> there were a lot of busted arrows out there and uh, blame Trev. <laughs> I'm wanting to go harder in the paint next year. I want to make them harder. I want to make them challenging, more challenging. I want to make them longer too. So just a much longer shots. And oh, I want agreed. people. And if we do a two day, maybe we'll do one day like uh, more casual. And then one day it will just be like the hardcore day. Yeah, because no. we, we were never able to set up the one shot that we wanted to replicate over the fence blind. Yeah. So we want to make that one happen. Yeah. Well, uh, let's not give it away, but we'll, uh, yeah, that <laughs> one. I got it. Well, uh, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, we'll be setting that up 
for sure. I got I got a lot of things I want to do next year after just knowing, knowing what the layout was this past season so or this past year. So. No, I think it went great, man. You guys did a hell of a job setting that up and running it. It was good, man. I was really thrilled with the turnout. I was worried with the COVID and the rain and all that. So we still had 143 shooters, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, and they were all good people. And that's yeah. the part about it. Everyone's on the same mindset. Everyone was there to have a good time. It was great, man. Couldn't ask. It couldn't have, it literally couldn't have gone any better. No. It really couldn't, dude. It was it was incredible. Yeah. It was a Super. good, good crew of people. People came from all over though. You started naming off places and people came from all over just to be there. Oh yeah. I mean, shit, I could rattle them off. Like anywhere from Minnesota to Georgia to Alabama to Connecticut, you you guys all mm-hmm. the way out east, there was I think we had Nebraska. Wisconsin, of course, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, Tennessee. Um, I'm missing a bunch. Kansas. There's a, I, there's a couple more in there I'm missing. But, uh, I mean, you get the gist. People drove. For sure. I couldn't believe Eli came all the way up from Georgia. And he brought me a bottle of Creek Water whiskey. That was right? awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it was fun. I really enjoyed shooting with him. I really did. Good man, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, cool that he came up. I, I, and he didn't give me a heads up. I mean, maybe, maybe he did, but like in just in the the middle of me like planning the shoot and stressing out, I was like, "What's up, man? Drove all the way up here from wherever from Georgia." I'm like, "Holy shit, for real? That's insane." <laughs> Eric Dude. came from Tennessee. Bones. Yeah, yeah, Bones. that's it cool. was cool. Awesome, yeah, it, was, it was great, man. Look, I love that. I can't wait till next year. See, that's the thing is, even if the shoot was horrible, the the course was horrible, getting together with everyone, the bullshit, the hanging out, you know, the chaos of the rain, the cooking, the crawfish boil, which was on point. Danielle was on the money there. I was skeptical, but uh, she pulled that one off coming from a Southern background. So (laughs) props to her. I think next year I'm going to do some VIP passes and that'll get you to the after party. Oh, there you go. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that right there is what makes it. It's just the camaraderie, the people coming around, everyone hanging out and having a good time. I mean, where else can you put 150 people in one area and not have a single argument? Yeah. Oh, no. It, w- it went so smooth. It was great. It's great. All like-minded people, man. Super thankful for that. So it's just a family type thing. A family yeah. that you built, bro. It's crazy. It is crazy, man. I'm, it, it's, it's very humbling. It's, uh, it's a weird feeling, but it was awesome, man. Super thankful for it all. Awesome. Fuck yeah, dude. I can't well, wait to do it again. Yeah, man. It was a lot of fun. I look forward to it every year, but you know, it's, it's one, I want to start planning it now, but I just, I got to think about other shit. Hunting season coming up and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our, we go gray at about this point. Everything falls off the wayside. It's season oh, prep yeah. and then season execution. All the all the podcasts during season start ending up being like, well, like I told you guys this before the podcast. Well, we either are going to record between Tuesday and Thursday, depending on weather, cold front, deer movement, <laughs> that type of shit. Exactly. So it's it's hard to crank out consistent content for hunting during hunting season. Um, it's nice when the time changes because you can just be like, hey, I don't have time to make it out after work, so we can just record. So. <laughs> awesome yeah that's the that's, same. That's, well, that's the nice thing about this like with 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 having the full outdoor podcast is like 
when you have that fishing stuff in the summer, but you want to have the hunters on in the summer because the because come hunting season, you're not going to be able to get them on the podcast. Yeah, that's exactly. You guys almost need to like hoard, like have a stock of like ten episodes all the time and mix it up. Right. That's you know, be- that's one of the biggest problems, and like trying to find the right person to be. Uh, yeah. I, I'm with that, dude. Hundred <laughs> percent. You always want them in stock, but I also want like when I have a stock of podcasts, I just want to launch them. I don't want to wait. I just want to get mm-hmm. them out. Right. And, and that's the thing. Like during the COVID, we were actually doing two a week, um, just to give you more content. But then it it we'd have a stockpile, and then you're just burning them up, burning them up, burning them up. But then you get too far ahead of yourself. So like with like the intro and like the things that are going on and like events and stuff you you get too far ahead of yourself so it's 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 a it's a a tricky balance it's a very tricky balance it is tough man there's a science to it and you want to let your episodes breathe and all that before cranking out another one on top of it type of thing Mm -hmm. especially especially working with other podcasts too because when certain podcasts come on on certain days you don't want to choke them out neither you know you want to be really respectful to them you know yeah that's what's kind of so like Going from like you guys started cranking out this podcast, you guys have done like an incredible job with it. I think you've done it right, man. I really do. Like it's cool to see. Um, I know that. I wanted to bring this up. I didn't want to like make you guys bring it up, but I get hit up about it a lot. And and the reason why we haven't <laughs> before, I, I was going to, but I but I know this particular situation is like being served its justice. So I was going to wait and then full blown talk about it the way it deserves to be talked about, but. I know there's other poachers out there that are like, well, you fucking talk about me when I already told you all I poached, but you didn't bring up the fucking other deal. Well, here we are. I'm going to bring it up. Um, And first of all, fuck you for poaching. Um, (laughs) The people want to know, Trev, what happened to East Coast podcast? Well, so East Coast Bowhunting podcast, obviously no longer. Um, D-Rock was not who he said he was was actually kind of a scumbag. Uh, he was living two lives. Um, he tricked everybody, man. It's not like just a couple of people can be like, oh, man, we got played. It's like everyone. Yeah, Trev, like, you can't take this, the soft conversation and uh, explanation. You got to you, you go balls deep, brother. <laughs> realize I'll be honest. It's like currently being served, so like we kind of have to just like – talk about it how it is but then it's really gonna be out how it is because you, you bet your ass i'll be posting fucking news articles correct and, the, and they're they are there man it's it's not this isn't anything of of lies or or whatever or make believe you can literally fucking google it um it will show up um when it when it comes to it but there's a lot of alleged shit that's against him um and kind of what he is and who he actually is and he fucked everybody in the industry i don't care how you slice that, it that's um, a that's a good way to put it <laughs> um, yeah, he, he snaked his way through the industry um as a liar and and a scumbag um there's there's i mean i'll be straight up i mean there's there's first degree sexual assault cases against him right now um right. Peace. um you name it man um, they're all against D-Rock here um, in Connecticut. So he's not who he claimed to be or the for the greater good or the better of anybody. Um, he's a fucking piece of shit. And yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, he definitely fooled everybody. Um, but I mean, he seemed, he was a different cat, right? But then you're like, oh, this is not so bad. Well, then you mm-hmm. realize it's all about the shit. Like, 
he was on probation. Nobody knew that, you know? No, no um, and that's the thing. We were traveling around with him across the country, and he was on fucking probation, and somebody was the emergency contact for him and didn't even fucking know it. That's crazy, man. You know? Um, I mean, yeah. dude, I trusted this dude in my house, yeah, you know, this, around my family. And- like, I got a phone call from somebody that I'm friends with in the game, and they're like, hey, dude, it's about – D Rock, and I'm like, what? And then I heard about like everything went down. I'm like, what the fuck? So then, uh, basically, we talked and just like, I and I don't remember the timeline. It's kind of wishy washy. It's been a few months now, mm-hmm. or maybe longer than that. I don't actually remember the time frame, but um, it happened in January. Yeah, oh, it did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was right before PA. Right before PA, that is right. Yeah, so I got hit up about it, and you know, it, it made me feel like motherfucker you know because i helped you guys and, and I, don't, I don't like to lump you into that trap because it's not you but you know what i'm saying when i say that Absolutely. like i kind of stuck my neck out there and uh to just get it fucking lobbed off you know i got decapped and i'm like <laughs> big me look like a dick back but i had people calling me they're like hey just so you know like we don't blame you for this I'm like i thought i was doing something good for somebody trying to help their shit and Mm-hmm. You know, somebody that like listened to my show and I inspired them. So I'm like, oh, I'll help you out, you know, and then uh, to just get fucked. And then to hear about all the shit this dude was saying, like behind the scenes when I'm over here, like bending over backwards at the waist, like, hey, I'll help you out here, man. Like kind of, you know, you support me, speak so good about me. I'll, I'll help you out. You know, that's cool. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So I was going to say something about it on our podcast, but I figured it was in, it's it's in the middle of getting served its justice i hope fairly and then i was gonna really let it all loose but um i figured we just blast it or a little bit you know i wouldn't because people do need to know i got got hit up a couple times um but dude i just the shit i found out that he was saying about about me and my brand and my people like i'm like Mm -hmm. yo dude never done anything negative to you and you're talking shit about me to like other people in the industry like you're making me look like an asshole when i didn't do shit you know so and, and that was that was kind of like in my eyes man like we we were in this together you know what i'm saying me and d-rock and there was literally things that were being said about me or would try and exclude me from things because i don't know if it was a jealousy thing or because i actually knew what was going on you know as a hunter and in the woods you know what i'm saying and like i don't know like every time so like for example man like obviously if y'all don't know what uh life of a derelict uh segment is on our show this is what it's about okay it's it's about d-rock so the there's a lot of times like yo when we was at the shoot last year right and obviously i shot doris okay so we had the podcast about that and we're talking about me shooting doris and this that and the other thing and then there was a follow-up with how he shot a 14 ring on the last target like Okay, but why do you have to take the glory away from somebody? You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, yeah, it was a cool shot and shit, but like constantly always trying to like break me down and make me feel like I wasn't nothing. You know what I'm saying? Or saying things like going on hunts or not even that, but how about going to the outdoor group? Go see the outdoor group, bro. Doesn't even tell me that they're going to the outdoor group. I see on fucking Instagram of a picture of Garrett and he's at the outdoor group with D-Rock. And I'm like... Yo, are you fucking kidding me right now? We're supposed to be in this together for the podcast. 
and you're up at the outdoor group at elite without me, like just fucked up shit constantly. You know what I'm saying? And it's just tons of shit. And then for all this to happen, it was kind of like a godsend to be honest with you, man. It was just a way for me to break away from them and move on and do something else. Yeah. I, uh, I, I hooked when that podcast, I, I'm going to speak in general. Cause I, I hate lumping you in with that man. Cause that's uh, not, you. I got you. You just talk. I understand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, I got kind of set you guys up with a lot of industry people, mm-hmm. you know, brands and stuff. And, um, he did this podcast with a guy that I've highly respect in the industry. And he said the N word on the podcast. And yeah, that was the, when I quit following. Yeah. The dude's like, dude, he said the N word on my episode. And I remember texting him like, dude, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like we've worked so hard as like, we're looked at from the outside as redneck culture. Like it's hunting. It's not redneck culture. Um, it's a fucking natural way of culture, I guess. I don't even know if that makes sense, but you get what right. I'm saying. And I'm like, dude, as white country people, we've tried to work so hard to get away from that stigma of like racist saying the N words. That's not what we're about. And you're, even if you know, you think you're hood, whatever, and you're him and say that you're fucking us. You're shooting ourselves in the foot. You're the same dude that's shooting fucking street signs in the country with a shotgun pepper in it. Like, what the fuck are you doing that? Right. You know, especially with somebody that's an industry insider that can make or break you. Um, right. That, that one episode ended that podcast before you guys even knew it, before he oh, even knew it. Ended knew it. it. Oh. Any connection after that one, I told him to was gone. Um, I'm like, what do you, what do you think you're going to say the N word on a podcast? What are you thinking? You know what totally I mean? Dis- uh, it was no constant problem. shit. You know, people can say you're going to say that because that's just how cancel culture is nowadays. But use your brain a little bit, you know? Absolutely. But, I mean, there was a million and one things, man. Just not, you know, just just crazy stories and like going back on himself and just just fucked up shit, man. Like, why do you have to lie? Like, my biggest thing is liars and thieves, man. And in my eyes, that's all he was, you know, just constantly lying about, you know, I get it. If you're a new hunter, you're a new hunter. You know, you don't have to, um, you don't have to lie about it. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not the great, none of us are greatest, the greatest hunters. We learn something every single day. You don't have to tell me about how your story of that. You've never, that you're a new hunter. And then the next you go back and you play the episode and then an hour after you say that you're talking about how you killed 30 turkeys with the bow. Oh dude. What's your segment again? Cause did, Hey, did I find that segment? Yes, you did. Fuck yeah, dude. I Indeed. thought I did. How many segments so, have you done that? Oh, uh, there's like three or four of them, but now they can get real good now that we broke this out. Um, cause I, I have, can, yeah, can yeah. Life start? of a derelict. We're going to give it to you. Go ahead, Kurt. Tell us about life of a derelict. Do you have like an intro for it and shit? Yeah. Um, no, but we're going to make one. (laughs) What's that? Make one off the top. Make me an intro real quick. All right. I got you, Trev. All right. (laughs) So on today's life with a derelict, we got Kurt Geyer. Take it away, Kurt. Thank you. My story from a derelict, you know, I was a new hunter when I came on the podcast, but I just didn't want to tell anybody about my experiences from what I grew up hunting. Cause I didn't want to brag, but I've actually been hunting for a really long time. Um, even though I played the front that I was a brand new hunter when I started the podcast, that was what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking sick. 
Oh, Fabio. Did you ever get him? Nah. <laughs> Does he no, exist? No shit. Did he not exist? That buck? I don't think I never saw a picture of him. He could be fucking nine years old by now. Are you kidding me? Dude, he's like, dude, I was in his bedding area. I saw him. And I, I remember he told me this story about how like he was close to him. He saw him. He saw him bed down or some shit. And it was like any, I don't remember the details. So I like really didn't pay attention, but I do remember being like, you know, all that information. Why are you not like, it, what do you, like, I'm trying to remember. Fuck. He got down when the deer was bedded there or some shit. I, I mean, he's making it up, but I'm like, oh, of course if you saw the deer bedded. Why wouldn't you just wait him out? Right. <laughs> if it like, how about perfect. What are you doing? How do you, he showed me a picture of it on his cell phone one time. Okay. And I'm like, bro, if you're that close, what do you mean? Like it was walking away, but I was like, bro, that deer's like 170. He's like, no, it's like 130. I'm like, no, that thing's fucking two times wide outside of its ears. I'm like, that thing's a fucking giant. Like that's a 170. Are you fucking kidding me? That's not Fabio, you know, not even that. How about his Missouri buck? That's the greatest. He just gave the the antlers away. (laughs) Okay. So I heard he shot one and it was like in his his girl's family's ground and they had it mounted and he had to pick it up and. Yeah, he he said that he gave it. So is it was the his girl's friends, her girl's family's uh, neighbor, um, and he used their bow. And the first day he went out, he shot like a one forty or one fifty. But it he couldn't he didn't bring the home the horns home. He only used a backstrap for Thanksgiving, and then he gave him the antlers and then it ended up getting mounted. And then he was supposed to get the mount back, but he hasn't gotten the mount back yet. But it's been like four years. Oh, dude. I'm going to see if I have the fucking, oh dude, I hope I have Okay, these. so I got to jump in right here. The uh, the post you put up a couple days ago about that, I'm going to say it's a 60, 70-year-old mount. Oh, I, yes, I posted that in our group, yeah. I had to fight so hard not to reply. I said, isn't that the mount from D-Rock's basement? Oh, my God, oh. don't even get me going. <laughs> I'm trying to find... Hold on, let me see if I can find. I'm going through old text. I can't believe I still have it on my phone, to be honest with you. I can't believe it's still saved. Why don't you uh, tell the, the, are you going to tell the one, the text of the real D-Rock? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking for those texts right now, actually. So, uh, do I have them? Come on, I got to have them. I'm too far deep on these texts. I can't believe I still have it. Uh, <laughs> I give you credit for having that. You need a screenshot and save it forever. Oh my god! Um, hold on, let me. I, dude, it's got to be in here. It's because it's funny as fuck to read. Um, oh, you have to read it. I remember seeing it. It was crazy, all the things. Like, it's just crazy going through two years of my life with somebody that liked that. You know what I'm saying? Then to all of the, then for the, now the allegations that are against him are what they are. And it's just like mind blowing to me. Oh, yeah, dude. It's, they've just put, I mean, same with you, man. Like, you've just put every egg in the same, in your, in this, in the basket. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, no, dude. I hear you, man. It's fucking crazy, actually. Ah, oh, damn, I don't think I have it anymore. But so it was a god. Did. It's a godsend, though. Like I got to meet you. I got to meet Steven, the All the people that I've been been able to meet, and and really, it's 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 incredible. I, I will say that's one positive thing about it. Oh, I'm with you there. 
for the for the good. Um, for sure, for sure. <laughs> greater, all for the greater good. For the greater <laughs> good. Fuck, I don't have those texts anymore. Why so don't you just sum it up? <laughs> he um, texted me. He's like, "Hey, dude, I'm texting Joe Rogan." And Joe Rogan's like, I was like, he, he basically told me this whole story. I'm like, hey, first of all, you're full of shit. Like, Joe Rogan's not texting you, and I'm going to need screenshots to prove it. So I, he had to have, like, grabbed his girlfriend's phone and, like, manufactured this fucking text. Because the text started with, yo, is this the real D-Rock? And D-Rock was like, yeah, it is. Oh, what's up? This is Joe Rogan. <laughs> like, it was, like, the most bullshit fucking text I never. I remember seeing it and just laughing. Like you got to be fucking kidding me! <laughs> it was so unbelievable. It was painful, man. Oh, God, that's so. But why would you go? My thing is like, how would you go through your whole entire life like being like that? You know what I'm saying? Like contradict. I mean, like lying oh, to like believe I, your own lies. Derelict. I got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he shoots this. Uh, he shoots this fucking. Oh he shoots this doe. <laughs> and I'm on the way home from. Fuck, where was I? I was on the way home from a road trip or something. I might have been on my way home from South Dakota. And here's the here's his uh his the first D Rock is his fucking Instagram handle. First sit, first saddle kill with with his bow. And two of the hashtags are. Hashtag button doe and hashtag two year old. And I look at it and it's a, it's a, I can't remember. I think it's a, but it's just a button buck. It is a button buck. <laughs> and I circled, I screenshotted it, circled button doe and two year old and sent it to him. I said, What's this? And I talked to him on the phone. He's like, Yeah, it's a button doe. I'm like, What's a button doe? Oh, yeah, here I'm looking at a photo of the picture. It's a fucking button buck. Yeah, it's a button doe, dude. And I'm like, no, that's a button buck, man. I was like, hey, I've been in this game a while. Like, I know what a button buck is. You think so? I'm like, yeah. No, no, but it wasn't though. It was a doe. And I was like, yeah, hey, it's not a two year old either. Like, for the record, like, I'm just he was just trying. He was getting like the social media game was like getting a hold of him, you know. And he's uh-huh. just trying to be a weirdo. But I called him out, and he's like, no, no. But you think no, no, it's not though. But it was a doe. It was just weird. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it is so think, tempting to use that photo as the cover art for this episode. No, you're not doing it. I will not allow you to do so. Oh, uh, man. But that, I mean, that's, I just want to bring that up. I don't want to dwell on this longer than we need no, to. Of course. I just think that, uh, you know, fuck him. That's all. Pretty much. You're a rapist. You're a piece of shit. Fuck you. That's what happened to East Coast Boning Podcast. Trev is a good person. And now you're doing your thing, man. So I appreciate it, man. Fuck really yeah. Just everybody. It's not like one person can be like, oh, dude, I got tricked. You know? No, nah, he he got over on a lot of guys. Yeah. Oh, everybody. Name, I mean, rattle them off. Cody DeQuisto, Modern Assassin, me, Trev. I yep. mean, oh, yeah. Drew from Wild Edge. I mean, it goes down the line. Name them off. And we all considered them family, man. And those are all people, uh, family to us. You know what I'm saying? The outdoor group, fucking Zeus Broadheads, um, you know, everybody, anybody that we've ever associated with, we've all treated them like family. Um, and and to, to do that, you don't do that to family or friends, man. Well, what was the words that I said to you or you had said to me, whatever you do, don't fuck me over. And you just, you don't fucking fuck people over, man. It's just what yeah. you don't do, you know? For sure. So, I just thought that was a segment people need to know. And uh, 
we were waiting. We were going to wait for it all to come out, like, officially, officially. I mean, some shit already is public record. Um, but I was just waiting for the right timing. But, uh, I mean, he'll get his blast. I'll blast him on my show. We'll fuck him. Oh, he's going to get the blast. Do your thing. <laughs> Do your thing. <laughs> you think we're going to blast burgers and not blast a piece of shit like that? Yeah, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> We've just waited for the right moment, you know, and it's it, – it's, because right now it's allegations, man. There's no proven – anything you know at this point i mean obviously there is we're not gonna say it's not proven there's there's plenty evidence at this point it hasn't finished the court it's in the hands yeah he'll get fucked that's the way it is man and you know i put i mean that's some scummy shit and uh well you know there's no room for people like that fuck as far as i'm concerned fuck him Yep, I told. I'm with it, man. That's I'm what a soulmate will say. I have no sympathy for people who do that shit or like you know stuff like that. I, I don't put poachers on that level, but for people like that, there's a special place in hell for guys like that. And and the whole thing here, man, is that you know the people of the hunting industry are the guys that are 100% against that stuff. I mean, anybody in this, I mean, there's nobody that's for it, but I'm saying is they're very strongly for that. So you were fucking with the wrong people to begin with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. So. Uh, there's no way. Uh, there's no way out of that. Nope. So. Anyway, well, you can find it, man. Talk about you know. Yep. You can Google. You can Google Derek Clark, and you can see all what you need to see. <laughs> the podcast. Fuck it. Yep. So, on <laughs> on with it. <laughs> for sure. But I appreciate you bringing it up, man. I think a lot of people needed to know that, and it was it was definitely time for it to be there. But there'll be more. It won't be the last time that you hear of it. Oh, yeah. The only reason why we haven't blasted it as hard as, I mean, we've mentioned it here and there. If people know, they know. But, um, you know, we'll definitely share it up once it's uh, set in stone and legal action has been set and the justice system has done its duty. It'll be out. And we I'll make sure people know because fuck it, you know. Well Absolutely. said. Well said. <laughs> well kurt man we appreciate you taking uh all this time jumping on with us it's literally (laughs) been one of the funnest shows we've done that's an understatement so anything you want to leave the listeners with um first of all thank you guys for having me on um and i'd say if you are listening to this and you don't know who working class bowhunter is just check us out um just working class bow hunter podcast on everything all social platforms and try us out if you like it subscribe and tune in every week if not sweet cool you tried it awesome appreciate it and uh make sure you tell the crew back there hey we love them we miss them we'll see them soon and uh special request from our end we want you to close our show out for once i will do that thank you guys so much Everyone, thank you so much for listening. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you.